welcome to the WCW versus NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and turns on one of the most important eras in wrestling history. I'm your host, Dave, and this episode we'll be looking at Slambury 1998, where they turn the NWO nonsense up to 11. While the NWO implodes, there is one super faction that will never turn on each other. I'm going to introduce you to my co-host first. Gus, how are you doing? I don't know about that, Dave. I think I might send you down the river if it's the deal is right. If it comes to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm good, though. I'm very, very good. I'm watching my back like a hawk because nobody can be trusted with uh, how the NWO treats itself. And under that uh, tense feeling, Connor, how are you doing? Uh, I, I feel a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Uh, this month, I did not watch the Nitros and Thunders. I've politicked my way out of watching those. <laughs> so um, I'm doing very good, very good, especially with how this month has gone. It is very confusing looking over the recap. So I, I'm, I cannot wait to talk about this. But no wonder you're the positive member and Gus is the negative member this time. <laughs> uh, to be fair, actually, it wasn't as bad as I expected it to. That might be because they had two hiatuses, and so I only had to watch like six shows as opposed to ten. Lucky, yep. lucky, yep. Yes. baseball saving Good. my ass and basketball and and basketball, yeah. yeah. So the the basketball playoffs they always screws up WCW for some reason. They they always panic. We don't know how to deal with this, even though it happens the same time, <laughs> same time every, every year. year. Yeah. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> I guess I guess you can't be sure what dates. Because don't they like make the schedule really close yeah. to the end? No, so. yeah, for sure. It, it's something you can't plan on. I, I understand it, and you know, having Thunder being a new show as well, it's it's definitely a thing. It, it's funny how much things change, but stay the exact same with just uh, playoffs and again American sports interfering with a uh, with wrestling uh, weekly. Yeah, with AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah, the new WCW. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same TV station. So <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It is funny that there still hasn't been like a harmonious way to deal with that. Like we're making fun of WCW for not handling it well, and as we should, they're bumbling morons. But AEW hasn't exactly stepped up to the plate there either. Well, it's kind of funny too, just because there's two companies that deal with this problem of the NWO in completely different ways. I don't know if you guys know this, but at this point, NWO in Japan is basically dead. But in WCW, uh, Japan killed it. Let's give them more. Let's give them more. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that nation obviously doesn't know what it's doing with its wrestling historically. So we should really just keep it going. They obviously no, to be don't fair, I guess it, New Japan wasn't that great at this time. No, it was if memory serves. It, it would have been the second at that time because they had yeah. the glory years of Misawa and Kobashi and Takada and a couple others as well in all Japan. Yeah, but it's just funny, the, the WCW, this is kind of like where you hear the famous stories. You know, we have the lawsuit with Ric Flair still going on, but then the problems of the house shows, like no shows at house shows, it's starting really starting to sink into consumer confidence at this point. So that's like the big one I would always hear from like Meltzer and stuff like that. I'm like, when did this really start? And, oh, okay, it was right here. A lot of wrestlers are hurt and a lot of wrestlers are just really, really pissy right now. You can feel it. I think there's tension on the show. You Gus can see was, it. Yeah. Gus was pointing it out. He felt it. And I thought I was being weird and reading into some body language that wasn't there with some of my notes. But uh, I'm glad you two could like see it too. As we said, we're going to switch responsibilities this week. Uh, we have uh, uplifted Connor not having to delve into the crap of the Nitros and Thunders. But uh, someone had to. Gus, what did you see uh, on these shows? First off, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's a lot of wrestling to watch still. Like for anybody who complains about today's issues, it's all the same stuff when you go back. Like they have 
four hours, five hours of, of show every single week. And there's so much to do and they don't fill it properly at all. Uh, there, There is multiple recaps throughout the show. That was that was there, one of the notes when I was looking at your recaps, like, wow, they do a lot of rewinds and things like that. Yeah, particularly the first show I watched. I don't know what, what was going on, but they would do a recap of the main event from the previous week, the, the Nitro that we watched. The main event angle would happen, but you would get 15 seconds. And then we would go back to the show and they would do a segment and they'd do whatever. And then they'd come back and Tony would go, let's have another look at blah, blah, blah. And then they'd do another 15 seconds of this. And like you're piecing together exactly what happened on the previous week's show. And that would happen constantly throughout the month. You've so many wrestlers and you've so many things. And this is what you're choosing to do. I I think for me, the, the biggest thing that happened on the show, uh, unfortunately, is some injuries we have the horrifying buff bagwell injury mm. so this happens during a tag match on a nitro and when it first happens i didn't see it i didn't catch it this isn't wcw missing it it's an incredibly innocuous thing unfortunately it's tv so they decided to replay the injury a billion times over and over and over to just to make sure you can see what happened to him so rick does a a bulldog off the top when he lands buff's neck is just beside his back a little bit too close and he just jams his his neck right into his back it doesn't even look like he bumps too much but he's just instantly out like he he's still awake and conscious but he can't move you you can't can't do anything he's lying there so they finish the match and then they just have to stall for however long it takes because they need to get a proper gurney they need to get proper paramedics and everybody out. Oddly, at this point, you would think, well, you've been showing recaps for the last half an hour. Just show the recap. At least that's something. No, they just kept sitting there talking to each other and replaying the injury and looking at it in great detail. And I'm just like, please, I, I, like, I myself enjoy watching like injuries from time to time. I'm like cringing at stuff. But this was way too much. And then they do, they obviously pimp them out for the next two shows as they offer updates for what has happened. Because that's actually on the, the same night that they're split over two nights. So there's a Nitro on Monday and there's a Nitro on Tuesday. And it's the it's the one show just taped out on one day and they split the show into two. So people have to come out twice. And then to tie that all into another point, that's the same night of the most famous moment, as WWE would tell you in the turning point of the war, because that is the night that DX rolled their big old tank right outside the arena. (laughs) So you have all this all happening at the same time. I think that's part of why there's absolutely no mention of it on the show that they're even outside because they, it is pre-taped. But I mean, I I don't think that they would have said anything anyway, but it's just interesting that they, the one night they chose to go down, they're not even live. Well, we, we all know why they didn't do it to a live crowd. It would have been very embarrassing for all four of them to get beat up by Meng if it was live, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's probably better it wasn't live because they probably wouldn't know how to deal with it anyways. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. might have made a really poor choice, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they might have um, actually confronted them or something. Granted, they do make a kind of poor choice going after that with Eric and his entire storyline. We'll get to There's a couple questions I have for you with with all these NWO turns. 
So it was, so we have the wolf pack now. That, that that's an established group. Yeah. Even though they don't, we don't have our own music yet. Have Kurt Henny go to this? So why? So do they explain any of these turns really? So they come out. Kevin comes out with. I think he's by himself. Oh no, he's with Macho. They talk about all the stuff that Hogan has done, how much they don't like him, and they've decided they've had enough. The only thing that's important is staying together and being part of the Wolf Pack. And the Wolf Pack is Kevin and Macho Man and Scott Hall. And they reference Scott Hall, even though Scott Hall's not there. We'll get to him. So he's like, look, either you're with us or you're against us in the NWO. You're either in the black and white or you're in the black and red attack. So that's that's the carry call. And then the big reveal is Dave's best friend. Conan. Conan uh, is the first guy to jump ship into the wolf pack. Of course pack. he is. <laughs> we get so many orales on Viva La Raza over as he tries to insult Hogan. Oh, uh, Dave, that gets over, man. It gets real over. It, it does get, <laughs> I, you know, I don't mind when they have their own kind of mid-card NWO, but he's just not a fit for, I guess he's more of a fit for the wolf pack than he was the normal NWO. Yeah. 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 To be fair, they actually use Conan Conan is like on the shows all the time. He actually participates. Hennig, on the other hand, makes no sense. They kind of bring him out. Ugh. Yeah, he, he's not a good fit. He just decides. They just say he's part of the Wolf Pack. They give him the T-shirt. He shows it off. He's in a segment. Never see him again. Never shows up. He's not in any beatdown. He's not in any segments. He's not in any angle. He just disappears. That's similar to... I want to say Rick Rude. Rick Rude, I think, has just agreed that he's in the black and white, but he's not really on the shows either. Conan's, the response for Conan is to announce that Brian Adams is in the black and white and everybody's like, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Uh, <laughs> and it's just kind of like that. All the announcers then have to constantly talk about which side are they on? Who are they going to be with? You get like these five minute chats about whether or not Vincent is going to be on one side or the oh, other kind no. of thing. I was like, I was going to, who gives a shit? Yeah, like? I was going to say, this is the issue. I love the idea of multiple NWOs and like a bunch of factions. I'm a big fan of huge factions all over uh, stuff. Like I like the kind of Japanese style of doing that while other people don't, but like, I don't care where the plebs are. Just make them all just wear the t-shirts. I don't need to see them sign up. If they just come out with one of the good members and happen to have a t-shirt on, I'll accept that they're in one of them. That's likely what's going to happen with the majority of them. It's just that the announcers then have to go, oh my God, such and such has entered the arena and look, he's wearing this. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. All I care yeah. is which side has Scott Norton ended up on. That's very important to me. He's he's black and white all the way, baby. <sighs> I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. <laughs> we have the mystery of Bret Hart. Oh my God, you're going to love Bret Hart's arc. I'm rolling my eyes match. right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he might be in the NWO. He might not. Who knows? So dumb. Scott Steiner is is solidly black and white. And that's pretty much everybody. All the other mooks. Like Disciple is obviously with Hogan. We should probably get to the biggest turn since it's on the card. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, of the giant who is back in the black and white. Ugh. Did he ever leave it, to be honest? Would would any of you, would either of you like to guess why he decides to be in the, in the NWO again? I'm going to go with they didn't know what to do with him. Does he verbalize that somehow? It would be nice if he just broke the fort wall and was like, they really don't know what to do with me, so I'm in the black and white again. I have to be opposing Nash somehow? I don't know, man. So I think that's what you, the subtext of it is that he hates Nash, so he can't be in that. 
But when questioned, he goes, I made a decision. <laughs> a decision of what? <laughs> Think the end of it all. And that's it. So there's lots of suggestions that he did it for money. He did it for power. He did blah, blah, blah. But there's no explanation. You can see why this company goes bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Poor Giants like, even- never stood a chance in his entire career, did yeah. he? Like, I didn't know his numerous turns started this early. I thought that became a, a meme much later in his career. No one really ever knew how to book this lad, did they? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he, I guess when you're that big, there's a lot of issues for booking because it's very easy to make them too strong and then nobody can ever beat them kind of thing. Yeah, that's not fun. Did, did it ever get better than him laughing maniacally in a monster truck? Because I think it was all downhill from there, to be honest. Yes, agree. <laughs> <laughs> he does have some good emotion, uh, yeah, to be does, fair, uh, in some of this. And Sting does too at the, at the very beginning of, of this month when they challenged him for the titles. He actually has a bit of interest in his promo and he manages to call back to the spot the dog, spot the dog jokes that Kevin makes over Arn Anderson. Yeah. But then Sting isn't really on the shows after that, so... <laughs> Beautiful. Sorry. <laughs> he kind of just disappears for a while because everybody else kind of takes precedence. All the NWO stuff is constantly on it. Randy is all over the show. Uh, Brett, I imagine. Brett. Well, he, he's kind of there, but he doesn't really do a lot. Um, oh, perfect. So, yeah, it's pretty good. And that's that's probably the main other factor that I would put into it is I have not seen so many pay-per-view quality choice of match not the actual quality of the wrestling on free tv than this month yeah. and it's just insane the stuff that they're giving away mm-hmm. when i when i was younger uh, i uh i always read these things and i never got to watch too many of the nitros and i went back and watched some pay-per-views and when they said they gave away these matches i always assumed that there was 20 minute like main events and i'm like this must have been the best world for wrestling fans where they got to see these like dream matches and now that I've done this podcast, I'm like, ah, there was shit on Nitro, and then there was slightly less shit on the pay-per-views. <laughs> and there was never, like, there's these, like, dream headlines, but it's, like, uh, clickbait from nowadays, right? It was literally, like, turn to channel bait. It's, like, Brett versus someone you'd never think he'd fight in a 10-second run-in match, you know? That's the other problem with it. There are never any clean finishes. They never have just a straight-up wrestling match. And I think outside of the Goldberg-Raven match, Every other match I don't think finishes correctly without some sort of schmozzle or screw up or anything. I want to go back to something too um, of when I was a kid. This, this whole Wolfpack thing, it still really bothers me that it's called the NWO. I wish they would just call it the Wolfpack. Having two factions completely makes sense. Like guys that defect from the NWO, yeah, it makes sense that they would have their own group as well. But like, just branding it the same thing, having the NWO shirts being the exact same, same style, yeah. except yep. it's just the colors red. different. Yeah, so that always bothered me as a kid. Like it confused me, and it just like even as an adult, like it still bothers me because like they could have, they have a cool name, they have cool music. You could have ran with like the merchandising in a completely different way. It's gonna get over. It's that, already yeah, over. It feels like fear, right? They're like, well, the right. NWO shirt is worth so much, and we don't want to split sales, or we don't want to like risk starting a new line and the shirt getting less popular but that would be like if you went to 360 like when austin 316 started to sell never letting him have another phrase but like that man like produced many profitable t-shirts or like haven't they have a nice it, mick foley is a good example like where he has three or four extremely popular t-shirts and they could have easily rested on well 
have a nice day or the wanted dead t-shirts but they decided to diversify and hope that their next idea would be just as good but it seems like this company is like no idea can be as good as the nwo idea we had so let's just fucking cling to it yeah imagine explaining that to the casual fan oh he's in the nwo oh cool oh but it's the nwo uh, hollywood what oh yeah there's there's multiple what and how do i show my support for these separate teams that i've learned to love you buy pretty much the same t-shirt twice it's different color though um i wonder in a very cynical sense are kevin and whoever else afraid that if they choose to not use nwo hogan will assume control of it I'd be like, you yeah. can't, you can't use it. That's an, like, that's an interesting theory, huh? Yeah. yeah, he gets all. What if he gets all the merch money from it? If I'm yeah. like not NWO, right. what what if Hogan gets a hundred? Well, obviously he wouldn't get a hundred percent. But what if he gets the larger cut of the merch yeah. money, even though it was so, their idea? See, yeah, see, I always just assumed WCW was being lazy in this, yes, yeah. in, in the sense. But that definitely makes a lot of sense, and I understand like kayfabe wise too. It's your founding members are splitting here. So it's kind of like like they're trying to claim, no, I'm the real members. No, I'm the real yeah. NWO. So I, that sense, I get it. But still, like it's it's kind of confusing. Like it's it, not, it, it's it does not make them feel like the blue world order from ECW. Right. Just changing colors. Right. <laughs> like they're leaning into the party. Yeah, of themselves. But, and that's the problem. Like we get LWO. We get like so many other different like branch offs, too. And that's like when it gets yeah. even more. Like, we're already down this road, so we might as well go. And that's kind of like how it. <laughs> like, yeah, it really does boil down to. The guys in red and black are the ones that you actually would like to cheer, right? But they're still technically heels. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> so that that, yeah. that was very weird. So they still do bad things. So they're kind of gravitating, or whatever. But yeah, it's it's very very similar. Um, it, it was a very weird month of reading these recaps. Yes, uh, <laughs> it was a great great month to start with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it seems that they don't embrace the anti hero soon enough. You'll see it in WWE. Obviously, their biggest draws for uh, for the next couple of years end up kind of being anti-heroes. But it's like that they just don't accept that Nash is basically a bad guy people love to hate and lean into it. They kind of turn him depending on who he's facing. It's like a traditional tweener opposed to the Austin tweener where he's a bad boy. Like, he just does what he wants. I, I think the issue isn't so much that. It's because they do have plenty of anti-heroes. Their problem is they have no convictions. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like I was saying with the giant, it's fine for him to turn, provided he has a reason. But you can't really give one. I'll bring this up again with Brett because it's way worse for Brett. But it's similar for the others. You're like, okay, I kind of see why you're turning, but it doesn't feel like I have anything I can believe in in your character for doing it. Like Randy's just mental. There's no particular reason for Savage to be in the Wolfpack other than the fact that he's. He's crazy and he got screwed over by Hogan. He's not a good, good guy, but yeah. people probably want to cheer Randy. So it makes sense in a way, but he could just as easily still be in NWO Hollywood and everybody be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to get to first year of literature in college with anyone, but like the, no hero's journey is going on here. Right. Like no, no one's, no one's motives make well, any sense. Th- there is, but it, he's not in the NWO. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could get that. I guess the people I name from WB, like Austin, they're, they're just always anchored with a reason. So Austin just has Vince to bounce off forever. He just hates authority. So any one of his motivations for his entire career as well, you can't tell me what to do, stunner, drink some beer. Where, yeah, what 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 do we know about Nash? He's very cool. He's a smoke show. He's big sexy. That's, that's <laughs> all I got. That's all I got. 
Yeah, that, that's actually a great point that I've I've kind of noticed that when we get into a certain promo later on to that, like, and you do have Goldberg, but Goldberg kind of feels like his own thing. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. not really associated with WCW. He he's like too cool. He's too cool for WCW. He's, <laughs> yeah, good point. he's like the moon. He just orbits around everything, <laughs> <laughs> but he has no interaction whatsoever directly with anybody on else on the show. Like slow oh. down, Tubby. You're not on the moon yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined that like a kid show, like something like the Teletubbies where the sun is a baby, but instead it's Goldberg is the moon and just a random children's show. I, I watched that. <laughs> oh, also I may as well shout while we're talking about Goldberg. Jesus Christ, his t-shirt is bad. Mm-hmm. Oh I, I, tried, God, I tried to warn awful. you guys last month. Was, <laughs> Holy shit, it's Man. bad. Uh, and people are still buying it. Like, that's how over he is. <laughs> we did 20 takes and that was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to double check it because they, oh, on the pay-per-view, I have this in the notes. There's two kids with it in the front row. I'm like, huh, are they bootlegs that they've forgotten to edit out of the show? And I had to Google it. This is a great this is a great pay per view for uh, for crowd interactions. Actually, oh. yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll start talking about the pay per view because <laughs> what was the deal with this crowd tonight? Don't want to get too harsh on this crowd, but man, they were not up for the show, really. Well, they were, and then it just died like almost instantly. To be and then fair, they were up for f- like fights, and then some random fat guy takes his shirt <laughs> he off. Takes on his the shirt hard off. Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. A, a robust gentleman <laughs> very much enjoys taking off on the uh, he's giving he's giving shit to the people behind him while he's shirtless there's, it's there's seven dudes in front of him who are all dressed like the giant with masks ski yeah. masks too not just like cool like ray masks yeah. <laughs> if i remember there's three shirtless people in the show that we see on cam that aren't wrestling like that you aren't mean. wrestling yeah that aren't <laughs> wrestling sorry uh, yeah, they just get they just lose them. They just completely lose the crowd. We've talked about this being a symptom of the WCW crowd. Aren't there for matches anymore because they don't respect full matches, I think. They're there for the small moments. So the crowd still pops when they need to pop. And then they don't give a fuck. They might as well beach balls. Yeah, well, well the first match does not help, I think. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Not at all. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into the pay-per-view. Our Nitro recaps, are, are, as you might have noticed at home, are getting a little longer, but that's because we're getting into some of the juicy Nitro era. You can see when everything was, you know, sun shining and making hay. We didn't have much to talk about. Nitros were fine. Now they're kind of hot messes, and we've had to go through <laughs> them a lot more. <laughs> well, it's compared to, like, 97, where the whole year is built to one pay-per-view. Now, th- yeah. now it's, we're not building anything. Let's yeah. just, uh, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Throwing it on the wall. Now, I will I will say, there is some bit, good bits of continuity, but it's not with the NWO stuff. I, I get the sense that Finley had been wrestling a bunch of random mooks on, like, Saturday night before he wins the title. But so he wrestles chaos of high voltage of one week and then he beats that guy so then the following week he fights rage of high voltage because the other guy like you can see he goes well if you beat my partner you're gonna have to beat me too kind of thing like and it's all kind of the backdrop for the main story around the tv title but they at least have these little bits that you're like okay somebody's like has this little run with stuff and he gets to be on the show and like so it's okay it's just not the main thing it's not the thing that everybody really wants to see. 
yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that's one of the first matches of the night, and uh, we can talk about how some of the lower card has more continuity. So the, the open vignette is a bit different, uh, a lot more dramatic, some really solemn uh, classical music over skyscrapers being demolished, cutting between Brett and Savage and Sting with different like descriptive words under them. And I take it, I take it much more seriously if the name of your pay-per-view wasn't Slambury. Not different words, by the way. Three words. He the the entire thing says controversy, power, outrage, controversy because they can't think of a fourth word, so they use the same (laughs) one. It's Bischoff, man. Bischoff (laughs) loves that word. The the D's from dodgeball: dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Dodge. (laughs) (laughs) I'd completely forgotten that. That's uh, that's hilarious. I don't think any of it relates to anything that's to do with the pay-per-view either. <laughs> yeah, it, well, that was part of it. I was trying to just grasp it, like what what was going on through this. So this promo package sent me up. I was like, oh, I got some questions. <laughs> I got plenty. I can of confidently tell you, it did not help with explaining what the show no. was. It's a complete mm-hmm. failure. I, I love that they put controversy under Brett. Like, ooh, remember? Remember that thing happened to him a couple months ago? Controversial, right? Oh, Jesus. We're so past that now. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... Austin has just, like, exploded now. Like, nobody cares about that anymore. Come on. I We're, we're doomed to listen to that event for the rest of our lives anytime we talk about this wrestling era. Ugh. Of course, Dusty isn't on commentary. He's still uh, NWO in his uh, fabulous red jacket, which we'll get uh, to in the main event of tonight. But it's Tanae, Shivani, and Brain, and they just do a breakdown of all the feuds. Not Nothing we're not going to go over in uh, the recaps and the matches. They show, though, Eric challenging Vince McMahon <laughs> to a fight on pay-per-view. On the, I think it's the second last Thunder coming up to the uh, They fucking pay-per-view. start the show with a Thunder promo. A recap. What the hell? With a recap. <laughs> it's so cringy. You can, I, I know people love doing this. We've discussed you can't pinpoint a moment WCW goes wrong. It's a multiplicity, uh, multi, multiplicity of things, but you're all wrong. It's this. It's fucking this. <laughs> it's the most petty, <laughs> stupid thing I've ever watched. And if I was watching wrestling at the time, I'd be like, no, I'm never watching WCW again. It's done. This might be worse than the, the Hulkster stuff that they did when Hulk left. It might be worse than it's that. It's on the level for sure. That, that yeah. was the second promo he did, Dave, not the first. Because that is the response to his first promo. <laughs> yeah, because this is the reading out of the... I don't know if this is legit or cafe, but the, they were sent basically a cease and desist, and it's him like reading it out on air. I don't know if that's... like I, I haven't seen anything of it's thrown on. Yeah, I think I think that's the most interesting part of this whole storyline, is yeah. what is shoot and what is... Once. Yeah. Because yeah. then, of course, there's the rumors that Vince was looking to fight him, which is, I don't know, Vince McMahon's a complete like raving lunatics that could or couldn't be true this is way i i thought the dx tank thing was petty because it may it's dx thinking they're also way more important than they are, are to that era of course like they're they're like upper mid uh, mid card kind of talent at that moment when they do this but like really you're calling out the boss of the other company and what i love about it what makes it so fucking cringe is uh, they keep calling Vince, he thinks he's the star of their show. I'm like, so do you, Eric. So do you. Or you want to be on the fucking pay-per-view. <sighs> Sorry. It's just... <laughs> and it, it, it looks even worse in hindsight, too, because, like, yeah, Vince was amazing. Yeah. It was yeah. really good. I, I, yeah, I have a lot of objections about Vince, but, like, his stuff with Austin was genuinely extremely good. 
you know, wh- whether how he found it or not, or how how long it took him to get into that role. He was very good in this role, a lot better than Eric well, was. Yeah, like, and particularly in, ni- in 98, this is like when yeah. it was so fresh and like they were doing great stuff. Yeah, like they were killing them. I stopped watching, re- I stopped watching wrestling in 99 because like, ah, I've seen enough Vince. Like it's, it's tired out. I understand why they have to do it, but they ran Vince into the ground. This is the perfect time for it. This is probably the height of uh, coming close to the height of Austin. And uh, yeah, like it's new. Now we're all sick of it. And maybe our viewers are listening, uh, listening going, ah, I've had years of Vince and every, every TV show, TNA impact, even Japan. have had like authority figures by now and it's all boring, but this was so fresh. Like Vince was the commentator. You only people in the know knew he was the boss, you know, and for him to have this persona and it's so, so relatable. Like working class guy wanting to beat up his shitty boss. That's still relatable today. I still love it. I thought the show was just gonna like have the the stupid match or whatever, quote unquote, a match. <laughs> but the fact that every pretty much every segment we do a cut to outside or whatever. Oh, the with, the Vinnie Mac comic. They are literally the lowest common denominator ideas you can think of for this promo. Like they're literally the first things you would come to when you go, nah, nah, that's too stupid. And nobody went, that's too stupid. I also don't like body shaming people, but they have a head of security here. And it's, they call him the head of WCW security. That's a big job, you know, in this muscle bound business. And he's the frumpiest old man I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. He's like, we're, our head of security has a has like a pass for Vince. And he goes outside and there's like 10 fans out there. And he's like, <laughs> Have you guys seen Vince McMahon? And like, yeah, Vince, get him. <laughs> this was amazing. Oh, yeah. So so the, there's one fan in particular. He's wearing like a polo, like ref shirt. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> yes. yes. The black yeah. and white stripes, like nasally voice, like, oh, he's too much of a coward to show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like something from Simpsons. It's like the, the typical nerd from the Simpsons. I'm just cringing so hard as Doug Dillinger goes, Hey guys, has any of you seen Vince? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, how, how funny would have been if the segment went wrong? He's like, yeah, she's over there. He's Vince, <laughs> yeah, he's Vince eating his steak wrap, ready for the fight. Standing across the road, like, and just on an, <laughs> and look, an we even cream. have a badge for Vince. We even wasted money <sighs> on this. Forget the helicopters. We got badges now for Vince <laughs> McMahon. This happens a little later in the show, but they have yeah. security guards looking for Vince in case he comes in the front door. But then they also have a picture of Austin, <laughs> the biggest star on the other show. Just show a picture of him on your show. And, and, and X-Pac. Yeah, and Six. Let's not forget. And Six, and, yeah. And, and there's there's a fan in that, that you know in this opening segment has an Austin 316 shirt in the background. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess maybe they weren't Plant fans. So in case of me targeting that one fan, I am sorry. Yeah, I, we, we don't mean to judge, but it's just too funny as a whole. Like as a whole I'm, together. I think it's safe to say, Connor, that that man, if that man didn't have puberty, he's hit puberty by now. Yeah. So <laughs> it was the crackle in the voice. It was he's a coward. <laughs> oh was, man! All the signs that were like Vince is scared I, to fight Eric and stuff is just. I'm, I'm figuring because we're talking about them all. There's like four of these segments throughout the show and we probably won't reference them too much going forward it they're the lamest things that you've ever seen for like it's not even cool for wrestling wrestling isn't even particularly cool (laughs) even as a kid like i know this isn't happening like yeah yeah, it's just he's not gonna be on the show yeah it's why the it's why the uh invasion angle works so well later because none of these guys are ever going to show up on their show unless they were signed 
So like the evasion angle got so much heat at the start because you're like, oh, it's actually happening. No one believed Vince was going to be here. <laughs> it just reminded me like one of them, just Dillinger goes out and talks to an, another security guard and you can't hear what they say. You can't hear like part of my brain goes, did they just record that without telling them and just use it on the show? Oh, it's so bizarre. It's best it's not just... to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking about it all now. I'll make note of when it happens because once or twice it breaks up builds to matches yep. pretty fucking severely. I have some good yeah. notes. There's, there's yeah. some excellent comments from Tony that they have to be said. So. Yeah, fair. First match of the night, though, we'll, we'll jump into it after these shenanigans. Let's see if we can refresh our palettes. We got Fit Finley, who's the TV champion, versus Chris Benoit. Last TV champion we saw was Booker T, who had been feuding with Benoit for the title. What happened? And yeah, so it looks like Chris cost Benoit the title against Finley here, but not by interference because they're still having that weird face-on-face dynamic. It was by just showing up and kind of disrupting the match, just standing there to uh, distract Booker and cost him the title. But Finley is not the guy I thought was going to win the title here, Gus. Have you got to see much of him on the on the Nitros? You were talking about him a bit. Yeah, so very briefly, immediately after the pay-per-view, Booker comes out and says he's annoyed at Benoit. Benoit claims he won the match fair and square because if you remember correctly on the pay-per-view, Booker tapped, but there was no referee. But Booker is aggrieved at Benoit because he didn't like the way that he pushed the referee and he was doing dastardly things to try and win the match. So that's why they're still feuding. They disagree on their methods. Booker has a routine defense of his TV title belt on a Nitro and about three quarters of the way through the match, Benoit comes out stands in the by ringside doesn't touch anybody probably jaws off at booker a little bit and distracts him just enough that finley wins the belt so for the next month fit finley comes out every week defends his tv title against such luminaries as high voltage and yet they they continue their feud they try to one of them gets a rematch one of them gets to wrestle finley again maybe booker gets his rematch and Benoit comes out again and interferes. And so they, they cause a lot of hassle. So JJ Dillon to the rescue. We're going to have a number one contenders match and you'll get to face the TV champion at the pay-per-view. So this is Benoit has won a, a match for the TV title. On, on paper, this match should be an absolute brawl, right? These two known for being pretty stiff workers, especially Finley at this kind of age he's at. They, apparently, they've both actually had a pretty storied history in like Europe and uh, and stuff, so they know each other well. And by all accounts, two, two decent workers. I'm not sure the match quite plays out like that, but we'll, we'll jump into it. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, but Chris finally with his haircut, it's just like a world of difference, right? Is that just me? I guess I didn't notice. I didn't really notice, but yeah, he, he does look better without a mullet. I think that's yeah. pretty much true for everybody. So Except Eddie, except Eddie. Mm, <laughs> even that. I, it's so weird. It should, Your hair shouldn't affect your gimmick so much, but I buy his gimmick a lot more with the shorter hair and the, his appearance is going to get it a bit. Saying that his appearance doesn't really change from now till ever. This is kind of just yeah. what he brings over to WBF. Yeah, and, and out of all the guys that have like mullets, I think he actually pulls it off pretty well. Like, it doesn't fair, look fair. it doesn't look outdated for with him for some reason. Something like Eddie yeah. or you know Sean or something like that. Yeah, Finley's out with the championship, and it's also kind of nice for me. I did not see any of Finley's early stuff besides like a match or two with Regal that he doesn't have a shillelagh or a fucking leprechaun with him. He still has the big shamrock, as Connor pointed out to me. I kind of missed that on the pay per view, but. 
as an Irishman, I, I really hated that era of WWF. Do you guys like this guy? I know is he your boy? I mean, he's from from your guys' pond, but he he's I never Irish, really liked him. He's an Irish guy in sport that, by account, isn't a complete scumbag. So we have to. That's just how our country works, unfortunately. I don't. Uh, I don't like him. <laughs> okay. How dare you? I'm reporting you to the council. <laughs> like I don't hate him, but to nah. just plug him in here, like you know, he, this is usually fine. the hot match, the opening match. I'm like, really? he is a man in the wrong decade in the '90s. For me right here yeah probably yeah i i think honestly if i were to take my uh, irish tinted glasses off finley is maybe a slightly better version of hennig at this stage and we've said how much we dislike hennig he is as gus says probably a bit outdated though bringing a bit more energy to the match than some of the old guys they have in and yeah he's just a solid hand like i'm happy that someone from northern ireland made it into such a big wrestling kind of role but it's unbelievable to me that he's still wrestling like 15 years after this. Yeah, it, it, is, it is really that's cool. Unbelievable. And, and that, that unbelievable is, to me. Yeah, it is really. That's something that's really cool about WCW is you, you do get the guys from just everywhere in this company. Yeah. So I, I, I do like that. It just seems a little out of nowhere. Like when I like saw the card for this, this pay-per-view, I'm like, Fit Finley, where is he coming I, from? I know they come hand in hand a little. And uh, again, we might get uh, brought up by the Irish Sporting Council by this, but I much prefer William Regal to Finley. I think I know they're oh, very similar wrestlers, and Regal's well, just way better. Yeah, Regal has a personality. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for a start. Yeah. Well, how do they describe him at one point? It's like they're trying to describe him in a, in an athletic way, but he's quite clearly not athletic. So they have. Well, they just keep calling out all the sports he plays. Yeah. It's like rugby, polo, ski, <laughs> yeah. swimming. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess we got it. Like, yeah, I, I guess they're just trying to get across that he's like very capable and like a very high floor as a person. But because they can't really show visually that he's very athletic, they're like, how do you how are we going to get this guy over? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's really funny. They did the same thing with Cesaro. Do you guys remember Cesaro's early days? Oh, it was not like this, though. No, but they, they still do a similar thing where they're like, we want him to be this intelligent brawler. So how do we do that? Well, he speaks a b- bunch of languages. We'll say him that, and at least he can demonstrate that. But he's also like, he plays rugby, and he did skiing, and he did this, and he's a weightlifter. I'm like, that, it's such a weird thing to do for a wrestler at all because there's not, you can't contextualize that. You can't vision that. If you tell me someone plays a sport, one, it doesn't matter because I don't know if they're good at the sport or not. You're like, he lifts weight. And I'm like, well, well, I didn't say well. You know, it's anyone can do those activities. It doesn't matter. You like it's it's a difference between calling Finley a skier or calling like Kurt an Olympic gold medalist. You need to describe how good they were or what they go- did, not just what they did. Mm. You know, yeah. yeah, I think that's a good comp because I, I never quite got. I don't hate Cesaro either, but I never quite got him. So yeah, Finley just looks like lumpier. Like yeah, he's not physically impressive looking. I'm sure he would no. be in person, by the way. I mean, just, he's up. He's kind of older too. I think he's like early forties at this point. So it's uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he'd be around DDP's age for sure. He looks like he does look like a bouncer you would see in Belfast. Okay. I'll say that he he does yeah. look. I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I I don't get his gimmick too much here. The the fit thing never clicked with me either. Like Fit Finley, he doesn't look fit anymore. He obviously does compared to a normal human, but like you're sticking him next to freaks. Like, look at how Benoit looks compared to fit, in quotation marks, Finley, you know? So this this match starts off pretty stiff, um, as you'd expect from these two men. Uh, stiff shots by Chris being a match as they transfer into some classic chain wrestling. Uh, they have a few missteps. It isn't 
it isn't smooth. There's a match later in the card that has smooth as butter, chain wrestling in it. Kind of puts this to shame. Finley's kind of playing the heel here and slowing down Benoit's kind of fast, vicious offense when he's ahead, though their characters are identical to me. So I'm not sure why Benoit is the face. Benoit just hits Finley with a chair on the outside and the ref's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll WCW just doesn't care about rules anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's so weird. They've always got the line, though. They were like, whoever the referee is in the ring is like, they want to see a finish. So. <laughs> but then they'll harp on about championship advantage if you're the champion, there's <laughs> yeah. DQs. And they're like, why doesn't Finley just retain that second? Referees, ref- referees have ref- so much power uh, when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like going for lunch now, so that's a DQ. Uh, that's a, uh, Benoit goes for a two-pace, uh, tope suicida, but Finley gets a chair up, swatting Benoit out of the air. This is a pretty famous spot that Benoit does on multiple occasions, yeah. but it looks pretty safe here. Not when Jericho does it like five, six years that, oh, later. No. Oh, what, what was God. the match? Is it the the Royal Rumble? It's the Rumble. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Be- because Finley doesn't actually swing here. He just holds up the chair and lets Benoit like bounce his hands off it to make a noise. Chris swung. Chris swung pretty hard, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, so this was a much, yeah, sure, it was a much safer version I'm of sure this. I'm sure it was agreed upon. Yeah. Mm, I, no I, doubt. I am also sure, yeah. <laughs> Finley seems to have Benoit's number in the match, blocking the third German by running into the ropes and ducking and breaking up a cross face straight away. Benoit goes for a diving headbutt to complete his uh, trio of kind of finishers, but Booker makes his way to the ring in a very nice suit, a nice kind of <laughs> looks very dapper and yeah. shirt combo. It was yeah, he does. the least Booker T like I think I've ever seen <laughs> at this yeah, point in his career. Anyway, I was just like, well, why are you wearing khaki pants? Like, do, do you think he just had business that day? Yeah, he's he, got, he, you just got to be more serious. Yeah. Man. He's, <laughs> he's got a shirt and tie, but no jacket. I just, <laughs> Do you think he was on his way to dinner and they're like, Booker, you got a spot? He's like, balls! Okay, just run it. <laughs> he doesn't interfere at all, just like Benoit didn't, but he distracts Benoit. Benoit gets off the top turn, Booker, instead of diving, headbutting, and starts jawing with Booker on the outside. And he eats, like, Finley blasts him in the back of the head with a with a drop kick. He fucks that man up. It is, it is a snug drop kick right to the back of Benoit's head. So Benoit plays possum, plays like he's knocked out, but I'm not convinced he was playing for a bit of that segment because they kind of stall for a bit, but I, I didn't read anything to say the contrary. Benoit gets a roll-up as a last gasp, but uh, Finley gets a kick out of two and hits a kind of a nice jumping tombstone. I didn't know that was actually Finley's finish. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. Pretty jumping uh, tombstone, uh, Okada style for the win. Thoughts of the match? Uh I felt in my notes that this just felt like kind of like a nitro match. I don't know. <laughs> felt like nobody got over. This is a prevailing theme, I think, for the yeah, for the night. Pretty much. <laughs> to me, it felt kind of almost felt like a new Japan match, but never built up to anything. Yeah, they didn't hit a high gear, right? No. So they had a fine beginning, though. As I said, their chain wrestling wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be from these two guys. They made a couple blunders, and then they never hit the like intensity. They hit each other pretty hard sometimes, but if that doesn't lead to cool spots, I don't really just want to see people get hurt for no build-up. It's like they did five to ten minutes of the opening of a 30-minute match, but that was the entire match, so it just never really got going. There's a couple of spots, like the chops are crazy good, and Mm. his Germans kind of get the crowd into it because the crowd has just popped previously for the particularly robust man, as Dave says, getting shirtless i think he was wearing a troy aikman jersey 
before he, he, had a, he had a he had a big old hat on as well. Yeah, he had a cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. And what in Worcester? What? A, oh, okay. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Cowboys jersey. Anyway, mm. I don't know. It never really got going. I don't think fit really suits the style of what they were doing at the time. He's probably better suited for what he does later on when they get their hardcore title. And Benoit, like you can see that people are behind Benoit. I think now. They like seeing him and they enjoy his matches. It's just the crowd is really weird. Kind of surprised though, because he keeps losing matches. Like, when's the last time he's won a pay per view match? So, what's interesting about this feud is we've had definitely objections about it, but even though I don't think it's been good or concise, it seems like the crowd are warming up more to Benoit and Booker. Booker was over anyway, but this is giving him just more time to be by himself, not in the tag team. And Benoit was so uninteresting after the Horseman, they just needed to give him enough time away from it. And the crowd just seems to like them both, even though I don't think Benoit's done anything worthy of being super liked by the fans, which is, I guess, the sign of a great wrestler. It would just be nice to give him a win, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought this was it. I thought this was going to be it. I thought I legitimately thought this was a way for them to give the title from Booker to Benoit without having Booker lose a, ma- lose a match to Benoit. I thought that was clever. And then they could have them maybe fight one more time or just leave that feud. Like once that interference, you know, Booker calls it a day or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's been weird and long and, but at least there's some consistency. Like as Gus was saying, this is something that's gone through the nitros, gone through the pay-per-views, the TV titles, very active. So maybe we should be giving it a little bit more, you know, kudos for that. Well, there'll be plenty more of this. <laughs> Segment after this, one of the favorite of uh, my favorite of the night, Internet Nerds with Chris Jericho. Lee Marshall asked Jericho, would he like uh, who would he like to face out of the battle royale that's coming up? He says it doesn't matter, it's all a conspiracy by JJ Dillon to make sure he gets into the ring tonight because he's the best person on the show. Best uh, best line of the night afterwards, uh, Tony Shivani says Jericho is currently winning the battle for the most obnoxious guy out there, and Brain says, You really don't know Lee, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do enjoy a conspiracy, Jericho. Yes. Yeah. I I had this noted. It's so well done how he has been just flickering in little bits of where he's going to go uh, after the, after his match. It's already been put in and put in people's heads. Second match of the night, and we're not going to run through this much. It's Lex Luger versus Brian Adams. We talked about this a bit on the Nitro uh the Nitro breakdowns. Lex Luger is kind of getting vengeance on the people of injured rick steiner but this is brian adams why isn't this happening on a on a thunder why isn't this scott steiner like the actual like upper mid carter of that group of the nwo why do i have to see luger squash brian adams why do i have to see brian adams Just forget this whole angle it's it's even worse that we know that we're never going to get the payoff between scott and rick we're so far away from him at this point i wouldn't mind it like they're like rick is injured we can't do that i wouldn't mind the conclusion of this feud being lex versus scott it's not a match I'm that dying to see, but they're they're two big draws and they're paying both of those men a decent amount of money. Use them. Why is why is Brian Adams anywhere that isn't Thunder? Well, I like me some Brian Adams. <laughs> Here we fair. go. This is That's terrible. Like, Here we go. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to defend this at all. I just think they could have used him in a better way. That's fair. But that, this that's fair. is awful. To, to run through the match in a couple of seconds, because there isn't much for any of us to say. This is Lex dominating for a lot of it. Vincent, get, Vincent getting involved. That lets Adams be in control for a little while, including a pile driver that almost ended Lex Luger's career. Very scary looking. 
very he like double jumps to do it yeah jumps on his head too like yeah. it was luger he was going for like a back body drop right am's kind of like jumps on top of his head instead of just you know pulling his head under yep. his his legs it's very i odd. think adam's got very lucky not to end luger's career there to be honest uh very happy and uh, uh luger didn't get hurt there i guess luger gets to do this sweet they they go mad over it it's only a little nice uh adams misses a clothesline and luger just slips behind him and puts him in the rack that's a nice transition from what he usually does but we shouldn't be patting him on the back too much well, yeah, they call it a variation but it's what you said it's a transition instead. yeah, yeah. it looks almost identical it's pretty much the yeah. same the way he always does it I, when they said he's never done that before i'm like i believe that but that makes it sadder <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just assumed they needed to have luger on the show they don't know what they're doing with him but he's Keep too important over. yeah because he's like friends with sting and he's interacted with a lot of the main players so It'd be weird for him not to be on the show, I guess. I don't know. It was terrible. It shouldn't have been on the show. It, like, it should have been on a Nitro or something instead. There was no heat in this match. Yeah. Nobody no. cared. Also, also Luger, Luger's angle is he wants to really hurt the guys that hurt Rick. But he doesn't even hold, like, no. the rack on for a while no. after the match. Or he doesn't, like, chase Vincent and put him in the rack and be like, fuck you, you you hurt Rick as well. He just lets it go straight away and he's like, that was my paycheck. I'm going home. There was, like, I'm going to go to Sizzler. Three promos total <laughs> about this match. Yeah, so this is this is one of the matches in the early card because in general I think the people in the early card are trying harder than the people and the later in the card. But Lex is one of the guys I don't feel the energy from him anymore. It doesn't look like he's going out there and having fun. It doesn't look like he's going out there and working a match that he thinks will get people over or himself over. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna put this jabroni in the rack and I'm gonna cash a paycheck. That that's a lot of what it was. Yeah, the old thing that used to work for Luger in '97, rack big dudes. Like it's it's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. You can only do it so many times. He's yeah. no character. No, well, well he's Sting's mate. Yeah. That's his car. Sting's mate. There we go. But <laughs> I mean, we we already have the freak of nature big guy that does impressive moves to other big guys. It's Goldberg now. He's much better. So. It, it's the invisible st- uh, stable, which is friends of Sting. <laughs> Just, is Jeff Farmer on the in the stable yet? Yeah. Probably, I, I assume so. <laughs> Still wearing the face paint. <laughs> yeah. St- St- Sting, Sting stance. Knowing WCW, Connor, he's probably still employed. I, bet, they, I would not be surprised forgotten. if he's backstage. Yeah. Yeah. He's just playing poker in the gear. backstage. Let's, let's not like, forget me. <laughs> but that's how, that's how he doesn't get fired. People just walk by him. He's like, hey, Sting. He's like, hey. <laughs> After we get this... Uh, riveting match we got a nice promo here from saturn a pre-taped uh he says the goldberg match is not going to be a gauntlet for the u.s title uh originally goldberg was going to face the whole flock which has like 20 members at the moment thank god that wasn't a match it's just going to be saturn versus goldberg again we saw this a couple pay-per-views ago for the u.s title and he's breaking away from the flock he says raven's taken care of him so far but it was all what about me what about raven but now he says it's what about saturn and he has to take care of himself I don't know how I feel about Saturn by himself. I think the flock the flock is kind of getting a bit unwieldy though at the moment, so I don't mind them breaking breaking away. This promo makes no sense. Like absolutely no sense in the context of what they've just done for a month. They spend several weeks where they have a loser leaves the flock match between Saturn and Van Hammer for whatever reason. I don't even know why they had to have just because they weren't getting along. They botch the match. They obviously wanted Saturn to win but a mysterious vendor interferes, causing Hammer to win. So technically, Saturn is out of the flock. So the the following week, they bring everybody out. They all jump Hammer 
because it was made very clear that they didn't want Hammer to win and they kick him out of the flock and Saturn is back and Raven basically goes, Saturn is my enforcer. He only answers to me. He's in the flock forever. And then he has this promo on the the pay-per-view. There's nothing in between that where he would suggest that he doesn't want to be in the flock. Never mind how we get this match. I'll go into it when we get to the Goldberg bit because it doesn't make any sense either. So this is a bizarre promo and it's not a good one. <laughs> well, it, what makes it more bizarre is they have like the multiple like infinity TV shots. Yeah. It's like space balls. When, when will then be now type thing? One thing I, I could say I, I do like about Saturn changing his look though. He yeah. like cut off his hair. Looks a lot better. Yeah. He looks yeah, but at least Bob Saturn's a, way better. Can at least take him a little bit more seriously. I love how, to, I love how Tony says though, that we need to talk about this, uh, but we can. So uh, go to Dave Penzer. <laughs> <laughs> Jericho interrupts Penzer, though, as he does his introductions, because Jericho's out to do the introductions for the Cruiserweight Battle Royale. And this is fantastic, but like tragic, but fantastic. He has an introduction for every one of the members of the Battle Royale. I think it's 15 people. But yeah, 15, none of them, 15. 15, but none of them react and I don't know if they know if they're supposed to or if they can't hear him great, but some of them should probably be like, fuck you, Jericho, you know, but so, they're all just like dancing and coming out you know, <laughs> to the same thing. One of them does. One of them reacts on camera. Johnny Swinger does. Oh, he yeah. Does yeah the fuck is Johnny Swinger? <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to, I was thinking like, oh, maybe I, it just occurred to me there. I could do a quiz for you guys, see if you can guess, but maybe I should leave it for an, an, a show, another show. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we'll then it, I can give you guys the names and beforehand. I I, yeah. I have a quote for every single person written down because they're that funny. They're, they're like, pretty great. Some of them are pretty fantastic. Yeah. What, what was your favorite one? Oh, personally, I mine like, was mine was uh, Silver King can be uh, upgraded to to Gold King. <laughs> yeah. With, with, yeah. With fit, with like ten more wins, it's so good. I particularly liked the Lenny Lane one. <laughs> because he was like, I want my lover boy tape back. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of like the barb at Janetti, just because Janetti's still in his full rockers gear. That that was that was pretty funny to me that he acknowledges it. He also corpses one of them, and I can't remember which one it is, but he proper corpses one of them, which is amazing to me. I have to go back and watch it. But I think that's just what he's trying to do here. He's trying to corpse multiple <laughs> of his co-workers as they're coming out. Kidman's one is good too, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the it, chamomile. Kidman literally has one tick that he does over and over, and it's that scratching. It is the only thing he knows how to do to get across his character. <laughs> that's that's it. And it works, but you're like, oh, he's done it again. Every single promo he comes out, the first thing that happens when you see him appear in the ramp is he's scratching his head every single yeah, time. Yeah, what's the exact? It's like, I, I have some chamomile lotion for you after the match, buddy. It's pretty great, and it's showing how much ahead charisma-wise Jericho is to a lot of these guys. But also, I don't know if he's getting these chances or like he's just grabbing the mic, telling them, I'll do it, I'll do it, and just grabbing the mic and being ballsy, or that they just like him, you know? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, he has to do this in like a pretty short amount of time, because each of the, the cruiserweights, they come out. They Very don't take quick. like a break. It's like it's a steady stream of guys that's just coming out, so Jericho doesn't miss a beat. This is really well done, even though I thought maybe it took a little too long, but Jericho carried himself well i like that he's like i'm gonna get a cup of coffee i'll see you guys in a bit and they show him backstage watching the match and he is just drinking a cup of coffee that's good continuity and he's not looking at a tv sideways i have that note i have that note (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's perfect he's just smiling watching away there's not much to note in this match uh let's go over the rules we we should show go over the rules 
so it's a normal battle royale. All fifteen men start in the ring. Pin. You can pin. You can pin. Yeah. So it's not and about you can pin. But no one does get no. pinned. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I thought they to had to be fair. Pin. Like, why? Why would you in that situation? I thought they had to pin cause so they could pin the final two. One of them would get yeah. pinned. But we'll get to what happens in the final two in a second. There's not that many noteworthy kind of eliminations. Like one maybe spectacular one. But it's just all the guys you've seen on pay-per-view eliminating all the guys you haven't seen on pay-per-view <laughs> out of the list of wrestlers, to be honest. And the final four are Cicope, Kidman, Psychosis, and UV. So, like, a lot of people that I've seen, we've seen, and one that we haven't seen that much on uh, TV well, at all. At all. Like, we get down to the last two, which is UV and Psychope, and they circle each other in just tension, and UV's pumping up the crowd, and there's a long pause. Pause felt like it was a good two minutes long. And they shake hands. UV just jumps out of the ring, eliminating himself. Little handshake. For good. Good. May the best man win. Wait, wait a minute. He just, Hoventu just eliminated himself. Hoventu just eliminated himself. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Zico Pay, what's he doing here? He's unmasking. He's unmasking. That's not Zico Pay. Look at that. Dean Malenko. He's back. The man of a thousand holes. The man that will face Jericho. Psychope starts messing with his mask as Jericho gets in the ring. It's not Psychope. It's one of the best moments in WCW history. It's Dean Malenko under the mask after leaving, losing his smile and leaving because Gene Okerlund needled him mercilessly in the middle of a ring for no reason that one night. It, has it been like two months since he went? Yeah. yeah. So to, to follow on on this, the entire month, every single week, Jericho comes out and he brings out a portrait of Dean Malenko and it gradually gets more and more wrecked it gets permanent marker written on it so he has like a fake mustache or he has glasses or (laughs) a forked green every single week he cuts a promo and he talks to Dean and he grinds him down and he ridicules his family and he just gives him nothing but shit for the entire month and on top of that he is repeatedly beating anybody he wrestles never close He's constantly defending the belt and he's just the best cruiserweight. And he says so. And he's like, nobody's fit enough to beat me. And this is how we get the Battle Royale because JJ Dillon comes out. He's like, you're right. There isn't one person who's good enough, but we're going to try and find a number one contender. So we're going to have a Battle Royale to which Chris Jericho has the best line as always. And he goes, so you're telling me after a full Battle Royale, I immediately get to wrestle that guy. And he goes, yes, Chris, you do. Good. I like those odds. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So he's been on fire the entire month. He like he has something every single week. He he's still taking his trophies and he's still taking the piss out of absolutely everybody at every opportunity. So seeing his face when Dean turns around is brilliant. Gold. Absolute gold. This is such a good comeuppance. They've been building this. They've been building this part of Jericho since he won the title. This absolute jerk. I saw some reviews. So I read other people's reviews of these shows in case there's any hidden information before this. And I saw two separate reviews suggest that Hoovy just jumping out of the ring is stupid. But Jericho has bullied the shit out of Hoovy. If like he knew about it, of course he wants Dean to be there to like smack Jericho around and give him this massive surprise. It makes nothing. But sense, I think, to me, that Hoovy has kind of been on it. And he plays cheerleader on the outside of the ring when the match happens as well. I actually thought about this, too, because, like, in kayfabe sense, 
it came together as I kind of read the the recap notes too that I think the the luchas just kind of like we've had enough of this shit. We, we yeah, need we, we, we need yeah. like something in our our bag or like or Dean talked with them like we need to come up with something and like let's try to work together here. I thought it actually came together really well. I, th- I think it makes complete sense because yeah, when I saw this clip out of context, I'm like, why would he do that? That's kind of stupid WCW stuff. But now watching in context, yeah, it works. That makes perfect sense. Also keeps uh, Hoovy, if you want, if you think he's one of the better cruiserweights uh, and maybe one of the next people to have the title, keeps him strong, right? Yeah, exactly. He never lost a match. Well, never lost a match. You have an instant number one contender. Like That can be his reward from yeah. Dean. Dean goes, well, you gave me the shot, so I'll give you the shot now. Or, or you can have him fight Jericho more. He's like, it's your fault Dean got to get into the match and won the match you should have beat him. Like, There's lots of stuff you can do off of it. So I, I thought the reviews were very harsh and as Connor says, if you watch it by itself, you're like WCW nonsense. But if you delve into there, again, this is one of the angles that has a consistent storyline throughout the whole division. This makes perfect booking sense, I think. The match itself is yeah, probably unfortunately, not Yeah, fun. fortunately, we have to have a match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the match starts straight away. I, I didn't even hear the bell, but it's a super emotionally charged Malenko just throwing everything he has. There's, I don't think there's a move thrown until the five-minute mark. It's really sloppy. They miss a couple spots that I've never seen these two guys miss. It is not their best work, but I think the the energy from Malenko makes up from it. I think Chris is kind of uh, selling. Like when Chris finally gets on top after Malenko kind of punches himself out a bit, he's like, how is that? He's like even shouting. He's like, how is that Dean? Like what what's happening? This is a conspiracy. Who's doing this to me? He's really selling this character already and like not taking advantage of being in charge of the match because he's so concerned. Like, how is this? He's looking out and pointing at Hoovy, pointing at the crowd. It's, it's fantastic. There's not much to the match. It ends with, uh, Jericho putting Dean up in the top turnbuckle. Dean doing a, a gross looking, uh, gut buster from the top rope. That, that move always looks like someone gets injured doing it. it it's so gnarly. Uh, Dean locks in a deep clover leaf. Jericho tries to scramble for the rope, but when he gets dragged back to the middle of the ring, he is forced to tap out, and an emotional Dean gets the title and you can see him like talking to his dad, like honoring the win to his dad, pointing to the sky, kissing his fingers and the whole nine yards. I think two gentlemen where we've complimented a lot of that, or at least Dean, where we've complimented a lot of his work and not his charisma and his storytelling. This might be my favorite WCW story so far. What about you guys? Story-wise, yeah. Uh, the match-wise, I thought this would have been better. I was actually kind of disappointed with the overall yeah. match. But at the same time, it's like, what do you expect? Because they're they're all Dean's on fire in the beginning, but then the crowd's like, oh, wait, we have to have a pay-per-view match. Okay, yeah. so then let, let's settle in. I don't know. I, I just thought this whole thing was just, this whole arc was just, it was paced perfectly too. I, I thought that was another yeah. thing. Like, it probably, if they went on, like maybe another month, it would probably have been too long, but it was just nice to see WCW for a change also just to complete something as well. <laughs> we we're going to see them throw a lot of stuff out, <laughs> which is going to be very frustrating. And they did it on pay-per-view too. It was, this wasn't just nitro. Yeah. So really glad to see them finally do it. It felt like a wrestling angle. It, it just felt like no politicking. It's two guys working together, telling the story, getting guys over. <laughs> so both, both guys got over the, the entire division was considered, not just the guys directly fighting. Just, and this is Dean Malenko we're talking about. This isn't like yeah. a guy that we, we've kind of like, eh, Dean's just like, okay. He's been like a solid guy to, for WCW have, but to get that kind of a reaction for this guy, I, I would call this a major success. This is Dean's apex mountain. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I don't think it gets better than this for Dean. He, like you said, he, he generally has no personality whatsoever. So to see him be able 
to convey that emotions finally in a match yes it was sloppy yes there's a lot that could be better but i don't think it's going to get better than that i think this is probably the most rewatchable dean match once you know the context anyway it kind of reminds me of punk cena because it's it's all the emotion it doesn't hit the same heights as punk and cena for valid reasons whatever but same kind of principle where there's just so much emotion charged behind the match itself that it kind of carries you along and you can see you're like yeah they didn't get that right or they they missed a spot here or there or it's sloppy or whatever but you you can accept that because of what's carrying you through it so it's the best thing on the show by far which is a problem when you know that it's only the third match on the card and there's still an hour and a half to go (laughs) i think dean unfortunately ends up in their own company i think they really showed his strength here and it's not his strength in character it's his strength in following through on the storyline so dean because he has a lack of character and a lack of character acting to an extent needs strong storylines and i think that sounds a lot like a lot of really good japanese wrestlers where you're like well they mightn't have the strongest character and their character mightn't stand out but if we dress them up flashy and we give them storylines fans can bite into and you know, resonate emotionally. It doesn't matter if they're the best character actor of all time. The story is good enough and they just need to tell stories in the ring. And that's what Dean did here. Like one moment, like unmasking, that's all he had to do. And it's brilliant. And like the other more charismatic wrestler carried it and the great storyline carried it. Unfortunately, he's thrust into an era of wrestling later where it's all about characters and moments. And he is not good at creating characters and moments. No one remembers 0017. (laughs) I, I will have to point out in true WCW fashion, they almost screwed this moment up because they didn't catch that Jericho was coming down to the coming ring. Down. I know. Yeah. And, and Dean pauses and everything to let him catch up. You can see he has his fingers under the hair and he can just unveil it, but he gives it another second. Obviously maybe he's waiting for a signal from Chris and they get Dean's face and almost don't get Chris's face yep. when he unveils. So that would have sucked. Other, other than that, that was a very WCW thing to do. Uh, it was. But I do agree with you, Dave. I, I think he's, yeah, he, he's in the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. And as far him. as Jericho, though, this, like, he's just, he looks amazing after this. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think oh. he was built up as legit champion. Yeah. Even though he's this whiny heel, but, like, he defended his belt on, like, somebody like Hogan. Like, like Jericho can just keep continuing on after this, and he does some really cool stuff. I always thought, as as I said, one of the big reasons I wanted to do this podcast when uh, Connor pitched it to me was just so much revisionist history and uh, WWE have control of so much of the media from this era. I wanted to have a look at myself and form opinions. And I had always heard that Chris basically should have been way higher up the card than he was and stuff like the missed opportunity with Goldberg is a real actual missed opportunity, not just like a blip. And I didn't believe it. Not because Chris isn't great. I didn't believe it because Chris is a WWE wrestler. And of course, you're going to say your rival missed their chance and Chris came to the promised land. But I genuinely, after this run, think Chris probably should have been way higher up the card like within the year, to be honest. Uh, and I think he could have been slotted easily into a main event or an upper mid card match with one of the big guys and really been let shine. I would have loved to see like, you know, the, the Randy robe they gave uh, DDP. I would have loved to see something like that with Chris. We'll, he's still going to do some cool stuff, but I don't think he's ever going to hit the heights here he deserved in this company. As a as a counterpoint, I don't know where you put him. Yeah, that's fair. It is so bloated at the top. Yep, I, th- I think they progress him nicely though. They yeah. they give they go with yeah, the TV title next, so it's like it's a good next step. Of the, that's probably like the next belt that matters. 
So like, yeah, I think they had him under a good trajectory, but they, then they just, nope, rug, pull him out. Done. Yeah, one of one of the big odds is I want to work with you. Got fucked. Yeah. As you say, Dave, back in your box. <laughs> back in your box. Yeah. Imagine, we'll, we'll jump to match number five in the night. We spend a bit of time on that one, but it is one of the I think going to be one of the highlights of the of the era we cover. Match number five probably isn't a highlight of the era. It's DDP versus Raven, and another question mark that match. So this is a Bowery <laughs> death match, which is Raven's secret match, and Raven has a lot of secret matches. This time it is a little different from a traditional death match because it's done in a cage with a top. So it isn't quite a hell in a cell. It doesn't surround a ring. It's still a cage, but it does have a roof. So it kind of feels hell in a cell-ish. And as this ominous death match machine comes down and we're getting the vibe that DDP might be in trouble here, we get a Vinnie Mac cam because that fits the <laughs> occasion and the ambience. And we get a shot at poor JR. <laughs> why, does, why do they need to take a shot at JR on live TV? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wonder, did like Tony and JR have a conversation about this stuff? Like after the fact. Yeah. They're like, listen, man, I was told to say this. And JR would be like, yeah, I know. Don't worry. Kind of, the yeah. dirt sheet said that <laughs> Tony really hated JR at this, at this point. I think part of it was too, just because Jr. took over his commentary spot. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sure that, that doesn't help. Very directly with Tony. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, DDP, of course, getting a huge pop coming out to the ring here. He is on top of the cell, revving the crowd up. I thought they were going to start the match there. That's my boy's Mick starting place for cell matches. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get. To, this is a this is a continuation as well of just a few that they've been having. I I think there's not much updates on the nitros, right? This is what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought it was just the other flock stuff happening, and they just happen well, to still be fighting. I mean, there's the four guys coming out with them. That's new. <laughs> I, I, I was, was going to get to that in the Ravens entrance, but yeah. Like, yeah. So the basis of the of the feud is just that DDP doesn't want to let it go for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> stubborn guy he he essentially like harasses raven for a couple of weeks over stuff and he like brings up family issues and whatnot a very face like thing to do face, you know yeah, pure face at one stage he gets a bull rope and like hangs him from the top rope to the outside so you get this kind of cool visual of of raven struggling against the ropes with like while he's being choked by ddp again very face move so good old JJ Dillon has to come to the rescue and he comes out so he comes out for a promo with Raven to find out that Raven has filed a workplace grievance with the company because he feels that he is working in an unsafe environment and that WCW is not doing enough to provide for his safety in his capacity as an employee of the company. Okay, so they're they're kind of continuing the the fan attacks from the previous month. Okay. Yeah. So there's that and then there is this mysterious vendor which they don't really reference. So JJ Dillon goes, you're right. We'll do, we'll follow up on your request and we'll give you these riot guys. The shield. Yes. So <laughs> like <laughs> me looking at it instantly as a person who's watched wrestling for longer than t- two decades now, I go, oh my God, somebody is going to interfere with, uh, with this because they're always wearing helmets that you can't see their faces. <laughs> so miraculously nobody has interfered as of yet as a riot member they have been legitimate security guards for him up until this point you're telling me that this rivalry birthed both the concept of the shield and the people's champion (laughs) kind of yeah all-time great feud (laughs) so ddp has been asking for a match 
and Raven eventually accepts, but he's like, only if we have a Barry death match or whatever he calls it. They never explain what it is before the pay-per-view. So nobody knows what what it entails other than it's essentially Raven's rules. The, the, the announcers love this. Like it's their great crutch. They're just like, oh, it's Raven's rules. So yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all fine. Is this necessary? I don't think so, to be perfectly honest. I, I do love these two guys in general. Raven comes down to the ring, by the way, accompanied by said uh, Riot Squad. These guys have great chemistry, and I kind of wish they just had a straight-up match with no bullshit. That would be nice, yeah. The psychology is nice here. Let, let's have this kind of cage match where nobody can get in. It's like you know, a locked-up yeah. cage, so you, in theory, there's no bullshit, but of course there's... Yeah, but <laughs> it's it somehow has the most bullshit, I, <laughs> despite I, it being... I love the whole ECW stuff. I love Raven's character. I've gone on record of pro- probably uh, being the ECW lover of this cast. But it's also a, a nuisance sometimes. Raven's a fine wrestler and has good chemistry with the right people. And the fact that just his entire career after ECW, you'll never see him just have a wrestling match with a person again kind of irks me. I'm kind of just realizing that now. I don't think we ever get to see him in a normal match. Yeah. He's got a sweet suicidal tendencies shirt. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. He does, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the lads start out with some uh, typical brawling, but uh, Raven soon unhooks a bunch of the trash cans. I forgot these guys actually were quite snug with each other. They're just kind of laying in their stuff early on. It looks kind of great, but maybe it's because the camera angle well, through the cage. And yet, at the same time, this really this really bothered me. Now, DDP has been harassing him for a month for this match, and he still waited for the bell to ring. Wrestled like a rest <laughs> a normal wrestling match. There's no hatred that comes across from it. It's just two dudes wrestling, and I'm just like, oh, come on. DDP's <laughs> just a bully. Let's just let's just call it what it is. He's just a schoolyard bully, really. Even though Raven's the first one to unhook the trash cans, Paige is his first uh, to get his hand on a weapon. He uses the bull rope to wrap it around Raven's neck and like hang him from the ceiling. They do the spot pretty safe where Raven very clearly has his hands on the rope and is like wrapping his legs around DDP's body, so he's never actually leaving kind of the ground but kind of gnarly cool looking spot pretty grim spot for the face to do i'm the face so i literally would like to murder you in this well, match it came across then like i just didn't like the beginning but now we've moved into the oh he actually does hate him okay yeah i just far. wish we could have done something a little different i mean yes y- you think raven would learn his lesson from the the whole uh you know cross thing and ecw but yes. whatever yep. <laughs> this <laughs> This also brings up my particular pet peeve of hardcore matches in that he empties an entire trash can of stuff. There's a bloody fucking fire extinguisher, which would literally kill somebody if you hit them in the head. No, no, I'll get the bull rope. Um, yeah. No, no, let me do the VCR first. <laughs> wrestlers love bull ropes. And I'm like, I get that they're thick ropes that would hurt, but like, it was my theory. I'm like, why do not? Why does no one bring a, a gun to a hardcore match? You want to win that bad. There's, like, there's guns in down. this match, <laughs> by the way. There is guns in this match. <laughs> the Riot Squad guys have guns. Jesus. Even tasers. They do that yeah. in some later stupid hardcore uh, stuff. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be covering that, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So Raven's down for eight after getting almost, you know, hung. I'd probably stop wrestling by then. You know, Raven's a tough guy, though. He gets to his feet, and he's met with a a VCR shot that leaves him down for a seven count. And if you don't know what a VCR is, uh, I'm not going to explain it to you. You're making me very sad inside. 
ECW, ECW. <laughs> I didn't think we were. I didn't think we were gonna get ECW chance, but yeah, considering the crowd, it wasn't likely. Yeah, no. there was some. There was two chants in this whole show, and they were very strange ones. So maybe it's more. Maybe it's more of a. Is it Massachusetts? Is this in? Yeah, it's uh, Worcester. Yeah. yeah, maybe Worcester that is, is more. That's the best pronunciation of Massachusetts I've ever heard. Thank you very much. <laughs> is this a? Is this a, a more of a mark town that I've that I know of or? I don't know. Pretty sure, <laughs> pretty sure this is the same time where Foley won the the, the belt. Huh. Maybe it is that. Maybe it is just a big old like secret mark town. Not not tonight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> for an easy dub chant, I guess. Maybe it's just a Philadelphia guy just riding around with Raven. It's just his uh, his faithful. Uh, and in this deadly match of uh, bull uh, bull rope hangings and uh, weapons everywhere and riot squad members, we get the dreaded cookie sheet. <laughs> and that Raven just waffles page with, and they try and make it sound like it's a really damaging thing. But stop calling. If you want me to believe in the item, don't call it a cookie sheet. Please use a different name, even cooking sheet or baking sheet. But the word cookie in itself is inherently cutesy. And I can't take your match seriously if you don't call it something else. Raven then also locks in the dreaded sleeper hold. Really <laughs> amping up the ECW vibes of this match the guys are. <laughs> and Connor, doesn't it sound like Dave is, is the villain in a Scooby-Doo episode? Yeah. Right <laughs> uh-huh. that's, what, that's exactly what I was yeah, going this for. This isn't Halloween Havoc. This is it's all of a sudden spooky. <laughs> yeah. And they, and <laughs> they unmasked WCW. And it was WWE light all along. No, sorry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> while in the sleeper, they sandwiched the ref between uh, the turnbuckle slash trash can. And the ref <laughs> definitely need, needed dying. to go out. <laughs> I can't believe they did a ref bump in this match. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> why is there even a ref? I guess he needs to count to 10. Yeah, I does. guess. But why is he in the ring? Oh, it's just He's just in the way. This allows uh, the flock members to come running down and they just like, Big Reese just knocks down the entire Riot squad. Embarrassing. They have guns. Come on, guys. He, may, he almost makes it into the ring because they have a bolt cutters, but Van Hammer just sheepishly <laughs> comes out from under the ring. And he's like, is that my cue? Is that? Yeah, I think it's my cue. <laughs> and he just takes out everyone. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he cuffs, uh, he cuffs one of them to the, I can't forget. I think he gets Reese. He cuffs Reese. Reese. Yeah, he gets Reese. Yeah. yeah he, he's the one that gets Reese. Uh, not to spoil what's going to happen in a few seconds. <laughs> he's the one that gets Reese and he handcuffs some to the guardrail. And he just leaves very politely. The riot squad is like, could you please leave Van Hammer? And he's like, yes, of course I can, gentlemen. I'll, I'll see you later. Which is a very weird moment. But of course, underneath the Scooby-Doo, we rip off the riot squad masks. And it's uh, it's Horace Hogan and Kidman all along. And they attack Paige because it's now been bolt cutted open. So if that didn't get bolt cutted open, could they just not get in? Because <laughs> they didn't have bolt cutters. <laughs> so were they expecting the rest of the flock to bring down the bolt cutters because they knew Van Hammer was going? I'm confused, guys. Well, I mean, they let Van Hammer leave. I don't know why they let him leave. So. <laughs> why didn't they just beat the shit out? And, and watch uh, him beat up Reese for like. Then Paige uh, just disposes of them like they're mooks. He just doles out some diamond cutters. I guess one of the mooks are really good because like Kidman's swinging from the ceiling of the cell, and like he just gets some. Like Kidman takes amazing diamond cutters anyway. Obviously, they made this elaborate plan to draw out Van Hammer and politely ask him to leave. And then Van Hammer doesn't come back. Why doesn't he come back? He was literally there two seconds ago. 
Because he's he's already gone. He's not watching the match anymore. He's just like, man. He's in the shower. I haven't had any. I haven't eaten all day. Like I had to sit under that ring. (laughs) Jericho turned off his monitor. Can't watch. (laughs) It's just a catering. There's there's no coffee left in the drip anymore because Jericho (laughs) had the last of it. Oh, it's so so elaborate. It's like this by the game. time he realizes what's happened, he's already across the street in the 7 Eleven. He's like, ah, oh, god damn it. Yeah, he <laughs> sees it on TV there. He's like, I have made a tremendous mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this gives Raven time to, to hit a page with the fire extinguisher and hit a Raven Flow DDT. Even so. Uh, sorry. Yeah, oh, even even you can never oh, get sorry. it right. <laughs> yeah, they keep, I think they call it the Raven Flow in WWE. No, they call it the Even Flow. Oh my god, I'm such an idiot. The even flow DDT. When uh, Paige starts to move at 8, Raven snaps and just attacks him again. He hits a diamond cutter, which he does. He tries to do a stunner. Did you notice that? He falls on his ass, and he almost fucks up Paige because Paige falls flat on his stomach. But they just uh, they just avoid him like jacking his jaw. And uh, Paige, Paige stays down for 9. I always wondered if when that happens to you, when you have to take your own finish, you're like, should I not kick out to have my finish look strong <laughs> or should I kick out to make me look strong? Hmm. Raven swings a chair at Paige, but he avoids it and uh, gets a cutter of his own. This leads to a double down, but Paige just about makes it up at nine, like a baby deer walking on ice. That's the end of the match. There's, there's, <laughs> there's more. Let's not forget, hang on, before we get to the after, is that literally everybody who's interfered is still there. Like, nobody's left apart from Van Hammer, yeah, of course. It takes him <laughs> a while to clean up this mess. Oh, that's, yeah, I have a note of that after the match. But before we get to the exact afters, because the afters are a little bit separate from what happens here, what did you guys think of the match? Oh, this is awful. Not great. I, yeah. I don't like this at all. And it completely, this completely kills the crowd. Any hope it had. This and the extended after match section completely drills the crowd out yeah, of it. Right. Yeah. If the crowd's not cheering for DDP, is the, there's got to be something wrong. But yeah. just also for us, we've seen the hardcore match between these two already again. Like, I'm done. Like, and especially if there's nothing new, there's no title that I don't care anymore. Yeah. And their first match, I think, had it. Like, the, like I know we had a bit uh, divided opinions about it, but it was fine. Like, they didn't need to do it again. There wasn't anything left. And yeah, like I don't mind shenanigans. I do mind them in WCW because all the matches are gonna have shenanigans from like this point forward. But I don't mind some shenanigans, but they have to make some sense. Like why wouldn't Van Hammer turn around? I don't think he had left the ramp before Billy Kidman unmasked. Like <laughs> that, that's the other thing. Yeah, I do not I do not care about Hammer at all. He's awful. Yeah. He got like a little bit of a pop, but I think it just was because it was silly. He like came from under the ring. Why didn't he just interfere from the start? Just climb into I like, mean uh, I guess like I'll give it credit because it's a little bit of continuity. It makes sense why he interferes, but it's still so unnecessary. And it, the whole, the logic of all the interferences is just completely not there. Like if the other guys are interfering first, then why aren't the guys who are in the masks okay with it and helping them? Why are they trying to prevent them? Why are they still keeping up the charade? And then when Hammer appears, why aren't they doing anything then? Like what? <laughs> Please oh, leave, Mr. No. And then the third part of it, which we're about to get to, why don't they? Oh, it's just. <laughs> well, the, the third part I actually think is magnificent. So the third part I, is actually atrocious, Dave. I and there is it. no defending this. I love it so much. So the third part is after the match, another Riot Squad member starts to handcuff everyone to the surrounding cages. Like all the flock members are getting handcuffed up, and everyone's like, who is this? And they're making guesses at it. And I like commentary is actually like, is it this person? Like, no, this no, person's he's got, too. He's got long hair. Yeah, yeah. 
His long hair is too tall, Mick. Well, you didn't notice that when it was fucking Kevin Nash in a fucking stain costume, <laughs> did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give how, how come they're now like, actually, this guy is approximately 6'2", when everyone else we're talking about is 5'9"? You've oh. never known when it's the real stain, well, see, you fuckers. Bobby has his runners now. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Nash has an underrated speed to him. He's, <laughs> he's very, very quick on his feet, you see. He is. But uh, they kind of, he slowly handcuffs everyone, and I'm actually, I didn't slowly know. It's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then this person handcuffs both of Raven's hand, uh, hands to the cage. And it's Mortis under the helmet. Shock horror. But Mortis had been um, Mortis had been denied access to the flock when it like started, I think, all the way back then. Ages ago, yeah. Yeah, something like that. He takes off also the mask because he has to show people he's Mortis or otherwise people won't know who the fuck he is. And then he takes they off. They don't the- know who Mortis is. Don't nah, give them don't. that credit. Uh, one or two might. One no. or two of them might. And then he takes off the Mortis mask because you have to unmask multiple times in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Canyon under there. Or well, the, the they don't mystery. know that. We yeah, don't know the yeah, name yet. <laughs> but it's a mystery vendor. Typical WCW. Who is that? I don't know. Tune in next week to find out. So this is the the fabled vendor guy who just randomly interfered in the Perry Saturn and Hammer match. Not even a Raven match, by the way, in the loser leaves the flock match. He shows up, gets, has this giant stack of beer or soft drinks or something and like creams uh, Perry Saturn with it and then disappears again. And we don't see him for another month. So he gets the steel chair and holy shit, he tries to murder Raven. It might be the roughest chair shot I've ever seen. And Raven just leans into it. Obviously, they've discussed this beforehand because Raven just sticks his head completely out and looks down. And he waffles him. The noise it makes. It pops the crowd. And I don't no, think it doesn't. In, I don't think they're into the blast. <laughs> no. I think it gets a reaction from the crowd, but I don't think for the right reasons. They're not like, yeah, go mystery guy. They're like, Holy shit, that man got murdered. We just witnessed a murder in the ring. It is a very, very stiff chair shot, which I, of course, do not approve of. But Well, at this point, wrestlers have not learned about handcuffs and chair shots. Uh, yeah. Royal Rumble 99 yeah. has not happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Raven's out after this, and I would well believe he was actually out-out after that chair shot. If Canyon can't t- take this chair shot, then who better? Chris Canyon, heat killer. I love absolutely, that. Absolutely. You leave Chris Canyon out of this. <laughs> this whole angle is terrible. I do not exaggerate. This took over 10 minutes to happen. 10 minutes because he had to handcuff every single flock member. Yeah. And he didn't do it very fast. <laughs> I, I would say he could have sped up a little, but he had to handcuff like five, six people. Like, they gave him a lot to do, and he needed to find all the handcuffs, and he had some of them on him, and some of the members had some. The Horace Hogan one, Horace wasn't helping because he's, like, struggling. And then Horace realized he's not helping, so then he just put his hand on the cage to be handcuffed, which was maybe worse. Do you know what's a better idea, Dave? Especially what? when you're a wrestler. Do your finishing move on them. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's, that's not up to hit. Like, they're just like, let's hit them, you know? It's, it's organized before. Yeah, it it mean, is yeah, bad. You can, yeah. you, can hit, you can hit them with chairs, because, yeah, we don't know what Mortis's finishing move is, because this is not an established character. This guy hasn't been really yeah, on guess, TV uh, much over the past few months. Although, sorry, I have to derail the podcast right now, because, Gus, you wrote in the notes about Glacier possibly turning heel. I, we need to discuss that right now. <laughs> oh yeah oh tell that's, me that's about fantastic Glacier. tell me about fantastic Glacier. We have to talk he about just it. has a promo 
out of nowhere where he's reintroduced and he's like, I am the master of the cyclone kick. Oh, God. (laughs) Only I can perform the cyclone kick, which my friends, just in case you weren't aware, is a super kick. (laughs) The young books are rolling in their graves. (laughs) Glacier claims that only he should be allowed to use the cyclone kick. And in pure brilliance, Perry Saturn's best promo I think I've ever heard from him. He just goes, basically says, fuck you, man. I'll do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) And he just goes, if you want to stop me from from using that move, wrestle me. But they know that I don't think they, they don't have the payoff. So that's still ongoing. ongoing. I like to believe, I like to believe that that wasn't supposed to happen. And Perry just went, hold on. He's telling me I can't do a super kick. Give me that mic. (laughs) Come fight me in the parking lot or I'm going to super kick who I want. Yeah, they, they reintroduce <laughs> him and he has like one match, I think. Yeah, WCW is doing this again. They'll, they'll take guys off TV for months and then it's like, here's this guy again. We're going to read. You, you remember this guy, right? No. We- uh, like he had he had two different colored contacts, right? Already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So he kind of has a more evil looking contact, I guess. That's about it really, though. You couldn't tell if he was face or heel. So I think this is actually a perfect time to bring up Glacier, not only because it's a connection with Mortis, but I think him and Canyon like get the same fate for a long time. Canyon gets over later when the company's basically mm. dead in the water to an extent anyway, mm. so it's hard to work. <laughs> yeah, you hear the doubtful. Mm. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll cover yeah. some we can discuss that as it happens, yeah. but uh, I think they're both good workers. I think both Glacier and, uh, and Mortis are good workers, mm. and they're just... <laughs> And they're just stuck with the crummiest storylines. Like someone, t- like maybe he organized it himself, but someone told him to handcuff every member. Why doesn't he just handcuff the guys in the ring and just pretend the guys outside during are dead? Like, you know, like any other <laughs> wrestling company has ever done. My favorite is as he's going about handcuffing each individual member, Reese is already handcuffed and he's just sitting there like this really sad panda in the zoo. This is like, ooh. Not not trying to move or anything. He's just kind of just sitting there watching. Completely broken character. Like, oh. Reese gets the worst of it because he has to sit there for ages. Then Canyon leaves the ring and he's jawing with the entire flock. Like, fuck you, fuck you. And he's having to bla- blast the raven. And he just passes Reese, jaws with him, and then goes back and just spits on him. I'm like, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Poor Reese, what did he do? Didn't really add much. Why did you have to spit at the man? Uh, as, as Connor said, after this match, I just fast forwarded through this. They just threw at the commentary for like two minutes to say nothing because they had to clean up the debris. And when I say debris, they had to unlock seven men from the side <laughs> of random, <laughs> random parts of the cage. And, and to sell match, so they had to have the cell go back up. Like in the middle of your car, there's just a cell match. Surprised WCW didn't fuck the order up, and you just see in the background like guys hanging from a cell. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <God>. Horace, <laughs> just stay up there, buddy. <laughs> just hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah, man, this is not a good segment. It's wrestle crap. It's it hold is. On. I'm a Canyon Mark, so I'm hopeful, and I like I his unveiling. Too. But the huge problem with this, and we've we brought it up kind of before in other contexts that. You know, there's diminishing returns in these these turns, these surprises. But yes. in particularly this night, I mean, we just had one like the last match. What? Like, give us a break. My question about this a little bit. I, I know we, we don't like to do too much like our booking on this stuff. But why is Canyon revealed at the end of the match instead of like mm-hmm. revealed during it to cost Raven the match? 
I don't know, Dave. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> and then you don't have to do locking people in the cage. Just after Kidman goes in there, he just unmasks and he runs in. Like, that's the vendor. He doesn't even need to do the mortar shit. He can just say he's <sighs> mortar some time, nitro. full time. Gotcha. Dave, why, <laughs> why doesn't he do anything while the other Riot Squad members unveil? He's biding his time. My head he's, hurts. It's like, like chess. Head hurts. It's like, like a delicate game like, of chess. <laughs> <laughs> like, what I love is... You've got four guys who take care of Raven, who are meant to be his security. So suspend your disbelief for a moment. And oh it's my not god, the I know what that, you're going to ask. It's like, so funny. How does this scenario construct itself without any of them finding out about the others? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, did, who did Raven think the third member was? Like, do, <laughs> do they all show up to the arena already dressed for work? <laughs> like This guy going to the cubicle still with his helmet on, like... So this is all Scooby-Doo stuff. So there's two, there, there's three actually members of that security <laughs> yeah. team tied up somewhere in the WCW <laughs> yeah. backstage area. Meanwhile, but, there's Paul, who's the only actual Riot Squad member left. And he's like, <laughs> the fuck happened? And he's like wa- walking around all day with the other guys. And he's like, God, why is Richard in such a foul mood today? Like, I don't yeah. understand. Like, normally he laughs at my jokes. His hair is like, actually greasy today. What the <laughs> Why does he keep wetting his hair and he says that fuzzy hair is bad for matches? I don't understand. <laughs> Why does he have two masks on? <laughs> <laughs> Why has he grown five inches? <laughs> I just want, I, I really wanted the end of the segment, yeah, to be, because there was four guards with him and one of them weren't used as one of these decoys. I wanted them to take off the helmet and it was Sting. So <laughs> I know Richard said he was on Weight Watchers, but man, that's quite the quite the transformation. (laughs) 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 Fucking brilliant! Can we get the Vinnie Mac cams again? Yeah. (laughs) What can we not? (laughs) Well, we 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 have to bring up. We 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 uh, we glossed over the uh, the previous Vinnie Mac cam just because it was it was a helicopter one, and you already mentioned that was like the two scary guys talking, but. I have to bring up, I think Tony does this multiple times that it really bothers me. As a commentary, you can like build suspense or, you know, suspend your disbelief a little bit. But Tony just says, yeah, let's not waste our time with this anymore. Obviously, (laughs) Vince, obviously Vince isn't coming like build it up man. come on. (laughs) He's so sick of the segment. It's so funny that he definitely wasn't told to say that. He's like, he's not coming. Just fucking skip it. Like Eric's gonna just do his yep. thing in the ring. Oh look, we're cycling through the in-house security cams. Great. Looks like halls from a magic tournament. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Or I'm supposed to tell them it's live, and you they're gonna believe that. Like it's a live show. Why is there not okay? <laughs> it's live, I guess, guys. Can we fucking change it? <laughs> yeah. Saturn gets his time with the internet plebs. Not as good as Jericho. He just says he barely answers their question. Then he's like, excuse me, I need to get ready for a match and politely leaves. That's some character work, Saturn. Match number six of the night, Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimate Dragon. Eddie's still uh, Chavo's owner? Is that how we want to phrase it? That's how we've been phrasing it, sure. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't ask him to do any slave-like things. Yeah. But he still bosses him around, so... He's still trying to get him to cheat. He has a wonderful T-shirt on. Chavo was in the was the fi- uh, the fifth last person eliminated from the cruiserweight battle royale earlier. Ultimo Dragon has kind of sympathized with Chavo and hates Eddie anyway, so he's fighting for Eddie's freedom. Uh, Chavo wasn't able to beat Dragon, and now if Dragon beats Eddie and Eddie's so sure he's going to win, Chavo goes free. These guys chain wrestling at the start of the match is smooth as fucking butter. 
Holy shit, it was good. Uh, am I overselling this? A little bit. I thought like some of the I hate like in wrestling sometimes like they they get a little overboard with this where they kind of do I'll describe it as like trapeze moves like they're holding each other's yeah. hands yeah. and it's like let's flip over it, and it's like it like, becomes what? too collaborative. Yeah, it's so, it's super lucha libre. It's like super yeah. non American style. Like it's height of lucha libre between these two and probably even though we've had those mad five like five man teams, this is the best lucha libre we've seen. Obviously, except Conan. But no, it, yeah, a, it is cool. And yeah, they are they are good at it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it puts... Uh, so this is what I meant by the match with Finley and Chris, who try and do a very similar spot to what they're doing here to kind of, you know, link fingers. You're trying to, like, make a, a guy... You're, like, overpowering him, ping, pinning him, jumping on top of him and stuff. They tried to do that as well, where they push off each other with their feet, and they just kind of fucked it up and went back to a side headlock. And these guys just do, like, insane things that uh, I didn't know you and bodies were capable of. And it just makes other people trying to do the same wrestling on the card look pretty silly, I think. when uh, well, Something I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed, that when the camera stayed on the action a bit too long, I think there was a fight or something in the crowd. There was a funny moment during this where uh, Ultimo had been in charge of most of the match, and then Eddie finally got his like heat spots, and he just laid into Ultimo with a kick right to the back. And I think it was a receipt because he didn't look very happy at some of Ultimo's released of kicks. We've said this before. And Eddie just like punts him like a huge toad right into like his kidneys lower back as like, don't do it again kind of thing. Chavo's kind of constantly giving out and getting into Eddie's face about cheating, like little cheats. Eddie uses the, the camera cords to choke Ultimo when the ref isn't looking on the outside. And Chavo tries to break it up, and Eddie Eddie just slaps. Ch- I I love this because obviously both men just agree to it, but they just paintbrush each other sometimes, just smack some full in the face. Uh, Eddie's being like the perfect snake in this. He's using like the tornado DDT, which is uh, uh, Chavo's finish, and trying to frog splash after it, but he uh, doesn't quite get the frog splash. Uh, he reverses a dragon sleeper by getting a rope break into like a dragon sleeper of his own brings it to the ground and then puts both of his feet on the rope for leverage, even though that's not how leverage works. That would sleeper, work, yeah. But, yeah, but let's not get, get to that. Because it allows for this nice spot where Chavo knocks Eddie's feet off and he's finally fighting back against Eddie. The crowd loves it. He's finally getting in Eddie's face, knocks his feet down, talking, uh, just jawing with him on the apron. And uh, Dragon goes for a spinning heel kick to the back of Eddie, but nails Chavo hard. Eddie takes his chance, snaps off a suplex and hits a frog splash for the win. Post-match, Chavo uh, is irate, and he's throwing Eddie into the corner and screaming, showing some real good emotion. But instead of snapping at Eddie, he can't make himself hit Eddie. He instead snaps at Dragon, starts paint-pushing him in the corner, putting the boots to him. Eddie's, like, trying to break it up. He's going too far. And uh, finally, a smiling Eddie gets onto his knees and offers Chavo a free shot, turns to cheek, offers him a free shot. And Chavo's winding up, but he just can't do it. And instead, finally, he just kisses Eddie on the cheek and walks backstage. He's been offering this on Nitros as well. This isn't the first time he's done that. Fantastic. I, yeah, really the good. The match maybe isn't something too much to write home about, though. Anytime these two interact in the ring, it was just a decent, solid match. It was probably better than the like short little match that Eddie, uh, that um, Chris and Dean had to put on. Yeah, the character work, Chavo played his part really well. I think Eddie did great. Um, how about you guys? Did you, did you are you enjoying where the story is going, or maybe going a bit too long? No, I I, I can always I can watch these guys forever. Yeah, this this was all post match stuff. I I was really up for the actual wrestling match, but then I don't know, seeing a lot of empty seats, 
and the commentary yeah. like when when Tanae's not excited for the acai moonsault like i don't know i just can't get up for it that's deflated, deflated is what i have written down mm-hmm. like that whole cage shit just completely ruined the flow of the match uh, yeah, of the show even, yeah not, we go not we go from match. like complete bollocks to like s- something that's like very grounded very like relatable and like Cla- classic storytelling as well like just classic family simple. strife simple yeah i i also think maybe uh i was saying in a match maybe the best translation of like very lucha storylines of very lucha wrestling being brought to america because mm-hmm. ray is a nice translation of that but ray is like pinnacle of acrobatics you know it's very easy to find ray lovable even if the style doesn't matter, just his his free flow wrestling, his attitude, people love it. This is a super lucha storyline and like chain wrestling and stuff, and Eddie just brings that to the American audience so well. I think. Yeah, I really enjoyed it for what yeah. it is, and they don't outstay their welcome through the in between pay per views as well. Like this isn't plastered every week, but it's it's just been bubbling over, so it's nice to have him on the pay per view. And if my recollection is correct, what's yet to come is excellent yeah i, I cannot wait i'm, I'm Ed, eddie's been the star of, of this podcast for me so far i'm really enjoying all the stuff and as much as i make fun of chavo chavo's been a plus here surprisingly well. good yeah his character works actually been great i i have a feeling if i went back and watched chavo stuff now a bit older and not starstruck by all the other wrestlers he worked with that he's probably just really good all the time and he just gets overshadowed by being of a generation with like freakishly good talent basically in the mid card but we can talk about it at a different time. We're going to go into the seventh match of the night. Of course, the momentum of the pay-per-view is broken up again by getting to see a nice big Vinnie Max sign with a star on the locker room. It's waiting. They got it ready for him. They were ready for him to come. We fucking get it. I don't. I really don't care anymore. Uh, Goldberg versus Saturn. Goldberg being our US champion at the moment, uh, having won it off Raven. This is the second time we're going to see these guys duke it out on... Um, pay-per-view we thought they did a fine job last turn a uh, time maybe a little botchy but uh saturn goldberg was probably goldberg's best match to date oh, i guess raven maybe raven yeah both maybe were, raven both were solid, yeah. but both were solid and we're going to continue goldberg kind of working with a uh, solid mid carters uh we've seen earlier in the pay-per-view where this build-up is coming from this was going to be a gauntlet match for goldberg but saturn's kind of split off as gus said unceremoniously from the flock to take it on himself has Goldberg been doing anything else on the Nitros, or is this mainly a flock kind of in a fighting thing, Gus? Just winning. That That's what Goldberg has <laughs> been doing, yeah. The main kerfuffle over this is that it was originally a gauntlet match. Goldberg had nothing to do with it. Like, he, he's no say in what's been going on. It was just announced, and for whatever reason, whoever won the match didn't win the belt. Raven won the belt. So, like, the flock was wrestling for Raven. So I think they were trying to establish that was connected to his uh, grievance settlement but yeah. it was never really explained I, I don't understand how they just decided how in kayfabe they decide to change the match to saturn versus goldberg but there you go i guess that makes a little sense if raven's that greedy to make the flock fight for him that's like saturn's breaking point but i completely get your point of why make him fight to be in the flock then a week before that that's so silly i just don't get like how does he just get to have a US title shot? <laughs> well, he's so tough. The, the one thing we left out a little bit of his promo, I love that. He's so tough, he can just do it. He's like, I'm taking the title shot, and the flock doesn't like it, come fight me. 
Yep. Even though I definitely couldn't hang with this guy before. Like he, yeah. I guess he yeah. held his own, but still, it's like, you still lost, well, man. Also, he's like, Flock, come fight me. If they come fight you, there's like nine of them. <laughs> they just beat the shit out of you, Perry. And then you wouldn't get your match. It's a very empty threat. <laughs> I don't know. We just we just showed them that they got bamboozled by Chris Canyon. So. Well, of course, Chris Canyon could be with nine people. It's Chris Canyon. That's all. <laughs> Uh, this match is like fine. The, the thing that stuck out in my head for Goldberg's entrance is they went over all his signs. As uh, Connor said uh, earlier, his t-shirts are abominable. Like literally the worst wrestling t-shirts I've ever seen. But also his signs, because they're jumping the numbers to make his streak more impressive, are inconsistent. So I spotted at least uh, two signs. One of them said 84-0. The other one said 85-0. Commentary claim it's 87-0. There's no way to know. The commentary yes. is consistent, actually, from week to week. So, oh, really? Well, I don't know if they're right, is what I'm telling you. Sure. But they they did they have gone 87, 86, 85, however many matches he has in the previous month. They do have the same number. Okay. So they didn't jump like ten matches one week. Okay, so now they're starting to bring it down to realistic. You know, he's having enough TV matches. We can actually just count each one, and it's going to get close to yeah. 100 anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah so, yeah, so they're consistent in that way, at least. I, I'm pretty sure he gets hit by a firework on his way to the ring. Yeah, so the pyro is getting closer to his like signature pyro. Have yeah. they? Is this new for the pay per view, or have they been yeah. adding more of it? Yeah, he hasn't done that that pyro nice. before, which is pretty evident. <laughs> it looks like he gets burnt a bit off one of them, which is well, his eye like starts to swell and close. Or does it? I did. Yeah, if you look at the be- at the beginning of the match, his his right eye. He can't stop blinking for a good two to three minutes after he oh, starts. Jesus. That stuff is so dangerous. It's like when Triple H gets the fucking ice burn. Is it, oh, no, it's Taker, is it? I can't remember. One of them gets... Uh, they both had that. <laughs> yeah, they just basically burned. Uh, they get dry ice burn and like they wrestle with it. And you're like, that's supposed to be tough. I'm like, they could have died. That's not... That's not uh, encouraged them doing that. Same here. It's so... Uh, like... Goldberg's entrance is amazing, but it always scares me. I'm like, could he not just get really hurt doing this like every time? But yeah, we're getting closer to full-on Goldberg mode. This match is mostly him. He does these spectacular Gorilla Press slams at the start, and you forget just how strong he actually is, especially some of that has been tarnished in recent years with like him not being as strong anymore when he tries this stuff. But he proper just shoulder presses Perry Saturn one time. That's like, Perry's not a small dude. Uh, Saturn gets his chance to shine a little bit when Goldberg clotheslines the ring post and he jams his other shoulder in. So they're kind of setting up that he's going for the rings of Saturn with this, but he pretty much immediately stops selling it when they get back in the ring. Saturn brings a chair into the ring. Uh, Ref has no qualms with it, which is really funny, uh, but he uses a springboard to hit a drop kick to the back of um, Goldberg. When he taunts the next time, he sits on the chair and taunts the crowd. It makes Goldberg angry, and he goes for another springboard, but mid-springboard, huge spear to Saturn, which I think is a pretty cool spot, into a jackhammer, and of course, no one's uh, kicking up from that yet. Yeah, fine outing by these two guys. You need to keep Goldberg over, but a less convincing showing by Saturn than the first time. I much like the psychology in this previous match. He was trying different things. This match, he was trying, like, headlocks, like, really we're gonna believe yeah. that is gonna stop goldberg at least the the other matches like seemed like he had a plan all right i gotta try some like hardcore things i gotta try some different things to try and try and win a match but here's like yeah i'm gonna try chain wrestling like he's that's, ever that's gonna get him someone yeah. before yeah the, the best thing in the match though i don't know if you guys noticed this you can definitely see it in the replay when goldberg after goldberg does a spear and he does his usual like like growl you know yell 
into the, yeah. the, the hard camera. He fucking slams the chair down with his foot, like bends oh, yeah, it he, completely. He he ruins the chair with his foot. Yeah. Yeah, the commentary are like, look, look what the fuck he did to that chair. Poor chair. I has to like nail his foot. I, I can't remember if like Goldberg actually might have gotten a little injured from that, but no wonder he almost murdered Bret Hart with a kick. Look what his kicks do. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of Goldberg murdering people, uh, <laughs> the Laparca, the famous Laparca match. I think it's like a week after this. Oh. Yeah, Laparca's gone for a couple months. <laughs> what does he do to poor Laparca? <laughs> uh, just a spear. He like completely fucks up his ACL. You can see Laparca just like grabbing Ooh. his leg. Like, please don't touch me. Oh. ACL, fuck! Can't wait to watch oh. that. <laughs> no, no, it's a great, it's a great moment. So I guess you know, Laparca, you took one for the team, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> so this this matches for this like nice, like that's a really nice visual, the mid air spear, and you can play that on Nitro a hundred times. But kind of sucks for Saturn, who gets to now. I guess like he's just gonna rebound. Losing to Goldberg isn't a big deal. He'll just they'll, he'll just fight Raven probably. That's yeah, my, that's yeah. my assumption. It, but um, like this just deflates I'm gonna go fight on my own. Except the match is a complete no no go. You don't come close and then you get speared out of your boots midair. Listen, the moon is on a completely different level <laughs> to Perry Saturn right now. Okay. Yeah. Perry can only look up and wish he were a moon. His you difficulty, know, you... however, is that they haven't a fucking clue what to do with them with the with the rest of the lads. The rest of the lads I don't think want to be anywhere near him right now. Yeah, so this this is definitely something we come into discussion with later, and I'm going to try and watch a bit of the shoots. Not that any of the people from this era can be fucking trusted with what they say, but a lot of weird political stuff happens to Goldberg within the next year. And I'm not going to say it's all mismanaged, and not all of it's true, and some of it's overstated. But yeah, he's he's on this trajectory where all the mid-carders are like, yeah, we'll, we'll help him. Like, like, as you said, Raven does those interviews where he's like, I was really proud of my work with Goldberg. That's probably one of his best matches of all time. And all these guys seem really willing to put him over in the mid card. I don't think any of the NWO want to put him over. Yeah, well, we're counting down. We're three months away now. Yeah, three, two months or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, the title match is it's July. So it's like not oh, too far. So away. two months then, yeah. Two, it's two early months. July. So it, 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 yeah. it comes actually kind of fast. So we can yeah. kind of reflect on that as, as we go. I, I yeah. will want to point out though, like it's kind of weird to me that he's having like these pay-per-view matches and they're, you know, a couple minutes, you know, they're not like 30 second matches. And all I hear was Jericho can't have a match with Goldberg because he can't have a pay- Goldberg can't have a pay-per-view match. I'm like, what are you, <laughs> yeah. what are you talking this about? Fine. This was yeah, completely this was... fine. Yeah. This wasn't like embarrassing. This was fine. And Jericho is probably a more traditional wrestler. Well, not probably definitely is a more traditional wrestler than Perry. Like I was worried about this pairing because Perry just kind of is a perpetual motion machine in a bunch of his matches. And he's very different. <laughs> just keeps to a getting bunch of faster and fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. He just like keeps going and going. Like, Do you not sell or take a breath Perry? No, nope, just another kick out of nowhere. Didn't expect that. I think it would be kind of hard to wrestle him if you were green, but they had two fine matches. Like Goldberg looked good after both the matches. Perry led him through some decent stuff. Raven had a, a really good match with him. And like Perry and Raven aren't the best workers in your mid card. Like they're good, but they're not the best. You have a lot better. I don't think he would have had any problem with Jericho. I, I think the problem they had with pairing him with Jericho is Jericho has way more charisma than him and has way more of a presence. Well, maybe not exact presence, yeah. but knows more about his character, and they're afraid it's going to sink the Goldberg ship. He's just going to talk rings around him. Yeah, no, I mean, there's other layers to that story that we'll get to. Obviously, the the comedy is what, yeah. what Goldberg was not happy about, but 
Yeah. Just, just that reasoning, like, come on, guys. I've seen these, these are several pay-per-view matches Goldberg has had that are not 30 seconds. He can definitely wrestle. Yeah. He's fine. I, I don't know how on purpose this is, but the last couple opponents for him have been very good. I was worried after seeing the Mongo stuff. The ter- terrible putting him with Mongo. Obviously awful putting him <laughs> with Mongo. What happened to Mongo? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, sorry to break on the tangent, shout-outs to Mongo. Sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Currently, currently love, love the Mongo. As much as we've ragged on yeah. uh, some of his career, very entertaining man, and uh, I hope all our wishes with him. But yeah, like not a great first opponent for Goldberg, but since then they've lined up some pretty good opponents for him. I think I have to say he's the most protected and best put together part of the show week to week. He's always the top of the hour. You can tell he's the he's the switch from hour one to hour two. They know what they're doing with him. They're they're not wasting him. They're getting their money's worth right yeah. now. The, I just don't think. I get the sense that they probably don't know the end goal or how quickly they have to do it. So True. But from that, you know, decent piece of booking and business, we get Buffer out to do intros for Eric and Vinnie Mac. You, you forgot a fantastic promo for the Great American Bash. Oh, so, uh, yes. You know, the, I didn't even write that one down. The pay-per-view yeah. that's like all about celebrating america and how just great a country it is and they chose raven to talk about it <laughs> he's just like he's just like baseball and hot dogs are terrible come watch wrestling I'm like, <laughs> that'll get him that'll get that's so. your audience that's your target audience there yeah that that was a, that was a lot I, I yeah i'd completely forgot i hadn't even written that one uh down could catch uh but that was 10 times the piece of business than the next thing is which is eric and vinnie mac being introed by Buffer. This is cringy as fuck. Eric comes down with his fucking, his hands bandaged up and Buffer says karate. Oh, no, oh, you ruined my joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have three words from Buffer. Karate. <laughs> <laughs> he says it so spread apart that it's not, it's not one word anymore. <laughs> you know why he's probably said it like that, right? Like obviously, Rus- uh, not Russo. Sorry, uh, Bischoff went up to him and was like, "Listen, how are you introing me?" He's like, "Well, you've done this and this. You do karate, your black belt in karate." He's like, "It's pronounced karate." He's like, "Okay, okay." Scribbling it, it down. down. Yeah, scribbling <laughs> it down. <laughs> this is awful. This is so self fucking indulgent by Eric. It's it's cringy. Uh, of course, fucking Vinny isn't there. Again, the rumor said that he actually considered it, which I don't know has any merit, but would be the stupidest thing Vincent has ever done in his life. They count them out. They get the, I skip this. When they start counting, I start pressing <laughs> 10 seconds forward. Eric Bischoff is speaking to the ref. He's like, it is a sanctioned match, isn't it? So we have to count? Oh no, everyone count with me. That's seconds of my life I'll never get. Back. It was 10 minutes. <laughs> Wasn't that 10, long? It actually didn't yeah. seem that bad. His, but... his entrance is so long. Okay, Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That NWO entrances. I'm just used yeah, to fast forwarding those. He's hopping about. He's showing us his lightning. His Shane McMahon jobs. Ba 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 ba. Oh, I hate him <laughs> so. I kind of wish Vince showed up and just beat the crap out of him. What? With what, a bunch uh, of paper in his hands, <laughs> beat him down. What bothered me too much? I I hate to harp on about this, but it, again, it, it really bothers me as as contrast with what what Buffer says because he's he's going off like and scheduled to come in the ring. Two men considered by the to be the most powerful men in the wrestling industry. Meanwhile, Bischoff comes with his like jean jacket, <laughs> yeah, greasy hair, like his lazy Zubaz beard. <laughs> oh my 
the state also, of him. The whole the whole point of these these segments is to basically say Vince thinks he's the shit. Like this is putting it back on Vince. He's like, we're a company that puts wrestlers first. Vince thinks he's the star. He pops the ratings. He thinks he's the most influential man. So they're giving him these like compliments, but they're insult tree, right? They're giving him huge compliments. But then they give the same compliments to Eric. So are they just insulting Eric as well? It's like the two most influential men in wrestling. I'm like, is that not a, a rib on Vince? And then is that not also a rib on you, Eric? The ultimate problem with this is like, what are you trying to accomplish with this? And Pop the like, boys. <laughs> for the fans, like we want people to cheer for Bischoff now because it's that that's obviously what this is doing because it's, yeah. it's us versus them type thing. Except Bischoff isn't Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman knows how to do this type of thing. Yeah, I, I, so Paul Heyman has gone through this before. He thinks segments like this are just a huge rip off of what ECW guys were doing for ages. But at least but Paul do... was like really good at it, though. Paul was good at hiding his shortcomings. <laughs> yeah, and when the wrestlers did it, when Austin did it, or when Mick did it, they had real reasons to hate companies. People loved it because it was like the real feelings for people coming true. When they did the, you know, Austin begging people to rehire him or Mick trying to get Tommy to go to like Uncle Eric for a contract, that stuff has real life ramifications and it's coming from a real place of hurt. Where is this coming from? Just a fucking jerk off ego for Eric. It has no real like history behind it. it has no real meaning behind it. Uh, these are honestly worse than the hookster and what was it? What did they call Macho Man when they called him old? Not the Nacho Man. The Nacho, Nacho Man. These the are Nacho honestly man. worse than those. And those are like in my top five low moments of wrestling segments. So this might be one of my lowest moments in, in wrestling mm. segment history. Yeah, I, d- I didn't think this was going to be up there, but the more you think about it, the, the more angry you get. So it's it's just the more you think about it, the more empty it is. Mm. There's worse. There's arguably worse moments or more cringy moments. But there was an attempt behind it, you know. There was someone that sat down and came up with an idea, and it was bad, and that happens, and we have to have bad ideas to have good ideas. This is just Eric stroking his ego. This The only worst thing Eric has done is the, the lesbian kiss things he used to do on Raw. I thought you were going to go the soul out, but okay, sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> like... There, there's a lot of bad Eric moments to rag on. There's a lot of them, but... Uh, lesbian kiss minute and this... Those are Eric's worst wrestling contributions. I've forgotten about the lesbian kiss stuff. Yeah, it was I'm pretty glad, bad. I'm glad I don't know about it. Yeah. Well, you don't need There's not much more to it. Let's not derail any further. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have sorry. two other matches that are absolutely atrocious to get to. <laughs> we'll get to two. Yeah, we'll call them both atrocious now. And you'll be a bit surprised when I call out the uh, people in the next match that it's atrocious. But match number eight of the night. And one that could have just happened in WWE a couple of years prior to this, Bret Hart versus Randy Savage. Uh, Buffer introduces these two megastars as well. And this one is really interesting because Randy kind of left WWE because he wanted to wrestle more. And WWE wanted him. The story is he wanted to wrestle more. WWE saw him more as a backstage guy forever, commentator, stuff like that, and maybe come out of retirement eventually. Randy wanted to work with Bret and Sean. Uh, two of the people he named apparently and put over young talent. No, we've had arguments. Brad is not actually that young, but this is one of the matches Randy wanted. And it's kind of cool that maybe he gets the freedom here, or that's what I talk going in until I watched the match. Maybe Vince was right all along. Well, Randy's hurt, but yes. yeah, for those unaware of what happened, since you may not have watched the nitro like we did, Randy Savage last time we saw was the world champion. 
And the next night, he was scheduled to wrestle and was forced to wrestle against Hulk Hogan for his newly won WCW World Heavyweight title. At the end of that match, Bret the Hitman Hart interferes and causes Hulk Hogan to win the belt again. Everybody is shocked and appalled and wondering, why Bret? Why? We're still wondering, (laughs) why Bret? Why? Because he never gives any explanation for why he chose to help Hulk Hogan. He has three separate promos where Gene Oakland calls him out and he goes, asks him directly what happened. The first time Brett goes, I'm not going to tell you. I want to say it to Hulk Hogan's face. So until Hulk Hogan comes out, I ain't going to explain nothing. Second time, Hulk Hogan's still not there. Third time, Hogan actually comes out and all Brett tells him is, you're a swell guy. I like the cut of your jib and I like how you do things. And as Gene goes, but why did you do it? Randy jumps him uh, in a true Randy Savage. I don't care about the odds because there's four NWO members in the (laughs) ring uh, and stops Brett from explaining. And that's it. We never hear why Brett chooses to align himself with Hulk Hogan. We don't know if he's in the NWO. He never wears a shirt. He never associates. Like he doesn't come out with Hogan for promos. He doesn't tag with anybody doesn't do any of that shit. So we don't really know what Brett's doing. Meanwhile, Randy Savage is understandably pissed. He just won his world title and got himself screwed out of it. He's so angry, he's put Brett Hart on his intergalactic hit list. And Brett has called him a, said the lizard? A lizard. Uh, he calls him a troll under a rock several oh, times. Oh, wow. Brett is not a good promo. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love it. They're just such basic fucking insults. A lizard. <laughs> Yeah, Randy just gets angry a lot and tries to jump him, usually when there's way too many people in the ring, so he just gets beaten down himself. The last part is because Randy keeps interfering and he keeps getting in the way and he keeps starting fights, Roddy comes out after they've had another pull-apart brawl. And he's like, I'm fed up with this. Only one person is is up to the task of refereeing you two, and it's me. Because... <laughs> You guys can't be trusted and I don't give a shit. I'll fight back. I'll make sure there's a winner in this match and that we're done with this because this is ridiculous. Piper only shows up like one week before the (laughs) pay-per-view. Since he's the commissioner, I think, right? When he wants to be. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So he just inserts himself into the match that way. And that's that's Piper's involvement. Yeah. Uh, So what happened was WCW were like, Holy shit, we're paying Piper. Uh, he's the ref now. One of my pet peeves I've written here as well is when Piper gets introduced, um, he has no ref gear on. And that's a really small, stupid thing. And I know it's not necessary. We just put a ref shirt on him. Is that much effort? Yeah, they didn't learn from Starcade, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I think he literally doesn't have one on because he has new merch on, where it's a Rowdy Roddy Tasmanian Devil t-shirt. It's a nice, uh, nice callback for Starcade, Connor, also, because they do make reference to uh, Piper's consistent counting. Consistent <laughs> counting. During the match. I missed that. Yeah. What Aww. an insult to normal refs. They're doing their best, and Piper's just like, none of you are good enough. Me as a wrestler, I'm the best ref of all time. Well, look, I can understand where he's coming from. He's like... You guys are chumps. Like, I can actually wrestle with these guys, so... <laughs> you guys get knocked out at the slightest blow. Now, it's a bit ominous for the end of this match, but <laughs> this match was... um, and I can't dive into it too much because there's not too much to talk about, but it's boring. 
As as Connor says, Savage is injured here. I think his knee is still bad, right? Yeah, he's only going to have one more match in WCW for our for our timeline. Obviously, he comes back in like ninety nine, late ninety eight. But he doesn't do it. He has after next month. That's his last pay per view match for us. You can see he has a giant knee knee, uh, knee brace, brace yeah. on, and it's a slow and methodical match. I guess the best work in it is Piper gets involved kind of often. Early on, Brett won't get into the ring, and he starts counting him out. But then he's like, "Screw this! I'm not counting you out." Rolls out of the ring and just throws Brett in. Brett and Piper have pretty good chemistry, like for, like we know from WWE. Brett tries to get himself disqualified, get under Piper's skin, pushes him, and Piper just shrugs it off and tells him, "Just go wrestle. I'm not going to do anything about it." And that's kind of like a nice touch. Both men brawl into the crowd because they need to burn time. It's not even a particularly good brawl. Like, no. uh, it takes Brett a couple of attempts to get up on the guardrail and stuff. It's just, and also Piper again, nice touch by Piper here, even though I'm not enjoying, I don't like he's in the match. He just stops counting after a while. And he's like, fuck this. I'm just going to follow them and make sure they finish the fight. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. Like if that's his character, if that's why he's in the match, he's being the most consistent thing out of this back in the ring. We now get Brett with very slow methodical work on the knee. And Brett isn't a high pace worker. But this is very slow. Was that just me, or is that noticeable for you guys as well? Yeah, noticeable, uh, especially in the beginning of the match when he's just like stalling on the outside. Like, like Brett just doesn't look interested. No, I, I think maybe maybe it's just um, they had to do so much time, and Randy's like, I can't, man. Maybe I I think even Randy isn't his like he's injured, as we said, isn't his usual ball of energy in this. Maybe it's Brett trying on this persona. It's like this almost agnostic i don't give a fuck he shrugs at audience members a lot he jaws with them but he doesn't change his demeanor and it's very hard to know if this is him trying a new heel persona or is this him genuinely just like taking it easy this is an easy night's work i'm gonna collect my paycheck i don't really care yeah they're not not doing much with me it's funny you say that too because in shoot interviews he he constantly mentions as randy savage is one of the easiest guys to work with i think he had like a house show match where he was like the last second like main event sub in and it was against Randy. They didn't even plan the match. They just went. And he says he's one of the few guys that he's able to do that with. So yeah, Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe he's like, Randy's hurt. I'm just going to be the arrogant heel and we have 10 minutes. I think it's 15 minutes to waste. Yeah. So do it. Savage finally gets back into the match when uh, Brett misses his second uh, rope elbow. Savage hits a very nice elbow drop, but uh, his knee hurts too much for, yeah, very nice elbow drop. Maybe one of the best we've seen from him. But he only gets a two count because he's clutching his knee too much. Hart locks into sharpshooter, but Savage reverses it into his own shooter. Elizabeth is down, and I'm pretty sure she just blows her cue because it takes her a very long time to get down. And eventually, Savage just seems to reverse the sharpshooter out of nowhere. So I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be some kind of distraction there. But Elizabeth distracts Dra- uh, Piper anyway, and this lets Hart get a big low bro- blow. He then. Um, hits Piper with the object in his hand that we can't really see. It's like something wrapped in duct tape. Savage takes the object off Hart though and threatens him, but Hogan runs down and sweeps his legs uh, legs from under Savage. Savage selling the bad knee. He wraps the knee around the post and just like bashes it, letting uh, Brett lock in the sharpshooter. And while Savage is there in agony, Piper pulls like the kind of weird brass knuckles off of him and is like, did you hit me? <laughs> <laughs> one of them has like an agony just like screaming at him Savage with the injured knee has to um, tap out 
Brett gets his wing and it's very boring. I have to ask this question because you did say what I thought you were going to say. Did he actually tap out? He kind of waved his hand. Um, yeah. Because I this when, I checked, be sp- when I checked the re- the results, they, there are several different sites that have him as a winner by DQ. Oh, weird. Because Piper calls him for the DQ. He claims Randy hits him with the thing and gives Brett the win that way. Brett uh, definitely wins. I'm just... Yeah, that doesn't follow up with... Because commentary, I think, correctly point out that Piper doesn't know who hit him from behind. Yeah, so I don't know. It it could be, you see, and after the fact, I, I'll have to see with the Nitro. I'm, I'm wondering if that they, they do this kind of weird finish to protect Randy, because I, he doesn't really tap. And so this way they get around him having to tap because he, he loses by DQ and he got screwed and whatever. Yeah, it was just a weird thing. I was just yeah, like, that is weird. that's interesting because I did I did look at it back and he doesn't really tap. He's he's arguing with Piper when the bell gets rung, in true Montreal fashion. Yeah, I, I thought they were gonna do. He was gonna pass out. I thought that's literally what they were gonna do. Yeah, I don't know well, what was the point of this match. I don't know. It just felt very lifeless. It's, it's just Hogan weird. dick swinging. I don't know. Yeah, there like, you go. <laughs> Brett's getting paid a lot of money. You can't pay him that much money to sell. Like, Hogan, yeah. Hogan, not in a, not in a title match, not in a match on the pay per view at all for whatever because he's meant to be filming, but still shows up to dick over Randy Savage one more time. <laughs> uh, we've ranted. I've ranted about this a lot, so I can't get too much into it. But like. It's just such a waste of breath. It is. It, it, part, part of it is just weird because you're coming from WWF where like all his matches have like fun storylines and there's like a lot of motion and here it's just like the complete opposite and it's just odd. It's just weird. At least he won. Um, yeah, I guess. I, I would prefer him to be in the current TV title picture yeah. with, with Booker <laughs> yeah, T. Yeah. That's not worth the money you're paying him, but he'd have excellent matches and storylines. I'd prefer him to be at any point of this card except this point with the people he's with like obviously as i said on paper him versus randy is a headliner like that that could be a world title match and probably you know maybe should have been let's 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 say that but it's just so like it's just an injured randy and you're giving brett nothing to do and none of the agencies on him he's outshone by piper and hogan in this match they both have like bigger roles in his victory than he does i don't know it's frustrating. I'm sure Brett wants to be close to Hogan because, you know, Brett always will never let it go. He wants to wrestle Hogan. So, you know. Yeah, should have been for the belt. Obviously, you can't you can't count on Randy getting injured and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that's sad. Like, obviously, I would have loved this that match. Sucks, but the whole premise is warped. And again, the same thing with as the DDP. Randy spends the entire month harassing Brett and like being really itching for a fight. And then the first five minutes is stalling. You know, like, yep. They may yep. as well have sat down for tea. Like, uh, well, next month we can kind of give our goodbyes and reflect on this Savages. run of Savage since we're gonna not see him for six months. Yeah, that's sad to think of, but um, there's a lot of talent on these cards. And um, um, this sounds a bit malice, but I don't think he'll actually be that missed with the amount of people they need to be putting on cards. Yep, it's it's always good. Like that's why I, it's always nice to theorize about wrestling having kind of a off season or whatever. Yeah, because like sometimes you just need a break. You need to break from yeah. certain people too. Yeah, exactly. But ninth match of the night. Yes, there is another match after a Bret, <laughs> a Bret Hart, uh, Randy Savage. <laughs> and that's the Outsiders, still your champions. Don't know the last time this belt, uh, these belts have been uh, defended on a pay-per-view. Never against... mind defended. Seen. <laughs> Seen, yeah. 
it's obviously been a roller coaster with uh, Hall, who we haven't seen in two pay per views. We said uncensored yeah, was the uncensored, last one. Yeah. Well, after his title shot, he has one more match on the Nitro, and he comes so plastered to the Nitro that they get him in rehab. This stuff is a bit despairing to talk about because you never want to talk about Hall in a disparaging way. And he's ob- uh, obviously he's a sick dude and needs help. It's even sad that to see that he's back so soon. Like he should probably be given way more time off to recover. But he is such an integral point, uh, integral member of the NWO. And as you can see here, he's so loved by the crowd. Up to this point, he's been missing, but Nash has been 100% sure, Nash and Dusty, that his good friend and his partner would be showing up. And all through the pay-per-view, we've been giving updates, you know, Hall's not here yet, Hall's not here yet. But I think it was during, right before the Savage match, we're told that he is in the arena and he will be wrestling tonight. So that's a bit of kind of heat running up to the match. And they're against Sting and Giant. But there's a lot to unpack with these two teams that happened in the Nitros. And Gus, I'll let you tell us a bit about what happened in the Nitros. I mean, there's there's not an incredible amount. It's, it's remarkably clear, considering some of the other balls. <laughs> of, uh, uh, so Sting and the Giants, they have a tag match on a Nitro. And at the end of it, they decide that they want to fight for the tag titles because they both had problems with, with Kevin. Um, so they lay down the challenge. Kevin responds and says, you're on. Hall will be there. Don't worry about it. They spend the rest of the month, every single week, they will mention Hall's name and be like, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. At first, they say he's going to show up on a Nitro, and he doesn't. So they have to get Dusty to be the tag partner of Kevin for a tag oh title match. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you get to see Dusty crack out the bionic elbow another time. He does his little dance and everything. He does the punches. It's it's pretty funny. But really, Kevin gets to beat two guys two on one because Dusty's <laughs> in it for like 20 seconds. About a week, week before, maybe two weeks before the pay-per-view, Giant joins the NWO again. And uh, it seems to be because he wants to, he hates Nash. Hogan gets to him somehow. There's no on-screen conversation or anything. He just turns and he has the shirt on again and everything. Sting is, of course, surprised. He's not there at the time. I think he's he's in the rafters at the moment. So the end of the Nitro is they just shoot up to the rafters where Sting is watching the whole thing. Uh, so Giant is very upfront with him. He goes, listen, I made a choice. I made a decision. This is what's happening. I'm still your partner. We'll wrestle at the pay-per-view. When we win those belts, you have to make a decision then what you want to do with yourself. Either you're with us or you're not kind of thing. So he's like, we're not going to, we're not going to do anything to you until after the (laughs) (laughs) pay-per-view essentially. So yeah, it's a, it's all the NWO Wolfpack, NWO Hollywood storyline, all mishmash together. Sting, not saying anything at all as usual. He's just kind of there. And looking flabbergasted. That's pretty much the build for it for the entire month. Yes, yeah, so the, the match itself, like a lot of the outsider matches, as much as I'm very happy to see Hall back in the ring. Well, mixed feelings about seeing Hall back in the ring at this stage. And the crowd, you can tell how just how much the yeah. crowd is missing. Like yeah. he got the biggest pop of the night just for doing his same old promo. It's the survey. Sim- most simple yeah. promo. We commented uh, before the show that there's a pretty good chance Hall is just plastered here. He's pretty glassy-eyed, like he's staggering to the ring a bit. But the second the man hits the ring, he lights up, he does a survey, he does the kind of Hulk out thing he does, and my God, are they over. Holy, Holy shit, shit yeah. are the outsides over. My God, they might be the most over thing in wrestling but besides Austin at this point. And it seems silly to me, and we'll talk about this a bit after the match, 
that the whole show isn't built around them. When the outsiders aren't on the screen, we should be asking, where are the outsiders? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. And I, I can't believe they can't listen. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, Hall's just done that same survey says things. Oh, there's no variation on it. There's no difference. It's the same one every time, and the crowd love it. Giant comes to the ring alone. He has his music back. He has WCW music. I kind of like this flavor of Giant. It's I call it relaxed Giant. He's just smiling and arrogant, and it actually works kind of well for him when he's not just yelling all the time, because that means when he does get like spicy and riled up, it means a bit more, I find. Sting is out next, but no NWO t-shirt, so no decision made by Sting yet. But he's always in black and white, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So he was, could be. He'll change colors eventually. I always I always laughed about that. Like when we were doing that whole run, like he's literally fighting a faction that is only in black and white, and he chooses to put to go into black and white. I'm just like, you couldn't have thought to do other colors. No, not once. No. Yeah. I, the pyro still doesn't fit him. No, he just he just no sells it. Yeah, yeah. I just, it doesn't sound right. I mean, he should really be coming from the crowd or something. It just the way his character was built. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, there's still disconnects with the character for sure. We we've talked about this like uh, on our own time a lot. How he doesn't change like anything. He's still just old Sting. He just smiles less. He's in infinitely better shape here, though. By the way, mm-hmm. he looks he looks a bit more yeah in, into it. Opposed to a lot of other people, we said didn't look into it on this card. He he does. Uh, Giant tries to get him pumped before the match, and I like that kind of chemistry. He's like, listen, we're going to win the titles. I don't care if we hate each other or we're on different teams. Let's go win the titles. Sting dominates the early action and uh, just takes care of both of the outsiders. They have to regroup and chat on the outside which uh, with Dusty, which, of course, Sting being the very nice baby face, just lets happen. Sting, ta- <laughs> Sting tags in a very nonchalant Giant. That I love that he does the Frankenstein taunt back to Hall. Yeah, when Hall's like being real scared and he just does the taunt back to him and kind of backs him into a corner. Finally gets but the ha- feedback. Yeah. <laughs> but Hall tags in Nash and uh, it's time for a good old Hoss off. They just, the Giants colliding. Uh, Giants shows a new arrogant streak, slowly attacking Nash before just getting Sting back in and obviously Sting getting isolated for us to match because you're never going <laughs> to isol- do the isolation spot with Giant. Sting finally kind of jumps over Kev to get the tag. Did they miss the tag and just pretend he got tagged anyway, which I found kind of funny to get the hot spot, to get the hot tag. But Giant is still in no hurry when he gets the hot tag. <laughs> he does like a very slow Hogan red leg drop for a two count. Wait to bury it. Yeah, well, that, that part's weird too, but just this whole match has this weird psychology. Hall and Nash are still doing their ab stretches. They're still doing their heel like tag team but the crowd is like literally just like what are we who are we cheering for here i i also love i know i know it's not your point but i love the ab stretch because it's never gone right they keep <laughs> going back to that well and it always backfires it's i love when wrestlers have those tropes and it makes me laugh so much I'm like it happens to you every pay-per-view bro someone's always reversed the move stop doing the move <laughs> Well, and the other thing, too, like I brought, brought up Chance. This is where also the crowd chants, let's go Wolfpack. Yeah. But then Giants, like on the other, like two minutes later, all right, get behind the babyface team. Let's start clapping on the on the ring apron. And like, yeah, Giants what? trying to be arrogant yeah. so he can't do a hot tag. He can't clean house because he's not the face. Then why isn't Sting the hot tag? I get he's a giant and you don't yep. want to work him over too much, but you could still do something so he's the hot tag, right? This whole thing was just... I felt like I was watching Nitro 
and I was just waiting for the interference. Yeah, yeah. I really and they trained me now. It's been long enough. I'm just it's gone. Pavlovian. You know how there's, I feel. <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. There's no way there's going to be a clean finish here. So I'm just going to sit on my hands until somebody arrives to cause anything. Because that's all they ever do. So Yeah, it, it, it very much feels... And especially the tag nature of it, it, it. It doesn't even feel like the tag titles are important. No. A, a tag match is just a way to protect everyone in it. Like almost like Japanese matches. Like three-way, match, three-way tag matches are and stuff. After the leg drop, Giant uh, goes up top for a big splash. Commentary sells it like he's doing something brand new. Giant goes to the top all the time. But uh, (laughs) he eats shit, obviously, when Kev rolls out of the way. Kev goes for the jackknife, which pops the crowd huge. They really want him to break Giant's neck. (laughs) I I love that, like, (laughs) the whole thing between them is Kev is a complete villain and almost ended a man's career for real. And they're like, yeah, jackknife, get him! Get him right in the neck! (laughs) This man keeps turning heel and face. Get him. Get him. <laughs> Hit him in the neck till he's a face again. <laughs> uh, Dusty distracts the ref. Also very nonchalantly. Everyone's just trying their hardest to look cool in this match. And Hall hits Nash in the back of the head with the tag title. Who could have seen the swerves coming? Giant covers Hall for the tree. And Sting sells it like he's seen a ghost. Sting's face is so good. It reminds me of um, Arrested Development. You know, the meme, he's like, I've made <laughs> yeah. a terrible mistake. Well, he's looking back and forth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, yeah, he looks between Giant and the title, and he's just like, like someone's been shot in front of him. He sells it so well. And I don't know if this, I, I legitimately think he isn't trying to sell. Sting's just thinking, what have we done? This was such a good angle <laughs> a year ago. What has this become? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, why do you waste this? Like, what is there? Uh, all right, I'm, I'm just going to say it right now because it's it's so frustrating because Hall and Nash, uh, they, they pleaded with Bischoff not to not to do this. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, well, I, oh yeah. I mean, why would you? you yeah. Why wouldn't I want to keep my best well, friend on my side? But what makes matters worse is Angle's complete waste because Hall checks himself back into rehab. We don't see him for a month and a half. And they don't mention this angle anymore. A, a huge issue with this and a huge issue with them mentioning Hall all the way up to this night. I obviously don't know what happened backstage here, but no way a month is enough to get someone clean, especially as bad as Hall was. I don't know if he was pressured or he's just told them he'd be there in a month, but there's no way irresponsible friends and adults should have went, yeah, Hall's going to wrestle in a month. That's going to be something that happens. We're going to promote that to fans. He should have just not been here. And that's the sad truth, and it's probably taken years off his life that people didn't do that. And I won't get on a high horse too much about that. There's obviously a lot happening backstage here. But now seeing this as it happens in the timeline, it's very sad to see that Hall didn't get the support he needed from people, his employers and his friends. On a more business side, if Eric decided this was a good thing, he's an idiot. These guys are fucking red hot. If you're willing to put Hall on your shows... He is one of your hottest commodities. Him and Kev need to be ruling over this thing for fucking years. They're like, they're Austin level over with these crowds. They're just fucking it up so bad. They already have the dynamic. They have Hogan Nash. They don't need another person. They don't need Nash to have another person to go against. So I, I, I can understand it like eventually. I could see it being like Nash conquers whatever wins control over everything 
and then you run the hall going what about me like i'm i i i put just as much effort kind of thing um but that you don't need you don't need to do it now <laughs> no um, no especially when you have this cool like split off with the wolf pack who who would better be like a cool wolf pack person than hall he definitely embodies that type of persona uh, i can just imagine how, how well the nwo did and how well, like, as you said, Connor, how well the Wolfpack would have done if they made that its own brand. If they had just gone hard on National Hall or the future of this company, they're the Wolfpack. We're going to fucking shove that down people's throats. And they'll love it. They're already over it. They just need a bit more branding. They need a couple cool underlings. Unfortunately, there hasn't been anyone as good as, like, Six as an underling for a while. But, like, they had a couple people that they could have as their... Uh, people love... Co- I hate Conan. I know it's a bit of a meme, but, like... You could have Conan as their underling, and people would love it, you know. I was and about to say Conan is like too close to Scott Hall, so like I guess I can see why they decided to break them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's just it, it print. They they had the rights to print money, and they decided against it. And obviously, it wouldn't have mattered because Hall needed help, and I'm glad he went, he stopped wrestling and went to get it's, it. But it's trying to be too smart. Yeah, essentially, be like they'll never guess this. And you're probably right. I doubt anybody guessed this, but that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> they didn't exactly. guess it because it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And that, that's like I said earlier, too many surprises. So at this point, like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I understand you probably want to just get the tag belts off them because, you know, Bischoff wants to just be done with the tag team division anyway. So I can see that. But yeah, just have them lose a clean or something. Come on. Just, but yeah, or, or don't have shenanigans in the Savage match and have Hogan come out for this. You know, the match that Hogan cares about, cares about. against yep. his main rival. Yep. <laughs> Plenty yep. of rivals. He doesn't like Sting either. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ha- so. Have Hogan come out in the main event spot, what you're paying him to do. It's just. And that's the final part of it. Like, they don't even need to add anything else to this match because they already have an interesting thing of what does Sting do? Yeah. Once, like, does he get swayed into joining or one side or the other or whatever? And this is overshadowed now slightly. Yeah. Like, Exactly. You could even have him defend the titles once or twice before making a decision and having been pained that like having to fight faces or something. Like there's so many interesting things you could do that, that. Yeah. I just, there's a lot of points and I don't like how people rag on WCW in general because they make very grand sweeping. Their booking was bad or they didn't treat the mid card. Right. And that's not always true. Like there's variants of gray here. This is the first time where I've gone. Okay. Yeah. They just had money in their hands with easy decisions that I'm not even, not even from like hindsight, putting myself into the shoes of the time. If I was a kid watching Hall and Nash, I'm Hall and Nash all the way. They're, just, they're the coolest things in this, this whole company by a mile. And you already have them in that position and you already have a ready-made storyline for them. And you, yeah, you're just smart and you want to pop ratings and you want people to tune in to the nitro after this, to see Hall explain it away. But he doesn't see how, That's a- yeah, <laughs> Or to uh, see Nash be angry. Maybe they believe that much in Nash that they're like, we need to, he's a baby face, so we need to stack the deck against him or something. That wasn't necessary. You already have a bunch of guys you can run through on the, the other side. Unfortunately, Hall's next match that he's going to have is going to be the one on the famous Nitro that we'll cover, and that's the one uh, against Goldberg. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame. I'll, I'll sum up what I, I think a bit of this pay-per-view before you guys i usually go last but i've started saying already it's just a shame this is the first one where i'm like you're so close to good stories guys 
I feel like Sting looked in those final moments. <laughs> as, as an upside, can we just get the way Sting looked as a gif? I yeah, can use that as a... I'm, I'll make I'm it surprised. What have I done? <laughs> I'm surprised that's not a gif, to be honest. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll print it. And I think that, I think what the best part is too. They cut back to him like a couple times. It's the same yeah. expression, and then yeah, at one point change. he has a belt on him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we just put the belt on him. He doesn't even move. I think Giant just yeah. puts it on him, and he's like, "What have we done, guys? Yeah. We were printing money. War. Like it's almost as if he can see the next twenty years of his future in front of his eyes. Like TNA. Fuck. Oh, I'm gonna be wrestling no. Triple H. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, DX is going to claim they're as important as us. And I'm going to just have to pretend they were. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. It's such a mixed feeling where I watch the early kind of matches of these cards. I'm like, that brings me joy. Maybe I don't like them. Maybe I do. But these are interesting glimpses in wrestling history, seeing these future Hall of Fame caliber guys come up. And just how good the mid card was, even if they get it wrong sometimes. I'm watching the last three matches of every card is just despair. Like, no, don't do it, guys. No. Oh, they did it. <laughs> How about you guys? What did you think of the card? And what side were you on at the end, uh, Connor? Yeah, this one was really disappointing. It was a very weak show overall, I think. There's no really standout matches. I mean, I know the Dean and Jericho moment was like very, just very renowned and awesome. But, you know, the match was just okay. And, I thought the crowd just wasn't into a lot of the wrestling. You know, they popped for Hall's like promo. They popped for certain moments, but just felt like going through the motions like for the crowd and the wrestlers, it seemed like. So it's very disappointing in the show. But for whose side I'm on, um, I, I don't think I can be with any NWO faction at this point. Because I, 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 I don't have any clue what's going on here. So I have to be on Dean Malenko's side. Showed some fire, emotion. He basically wrestled two matches. Something we didn't mention. He's wrestling in Cyclope's uh, suit as well. So that could have been, had been awful, especially yeah, he, in didn't ma- look, he didn't look comfortable. <laughs> no, there's no way you can be comfortable in that. It's like very tassel and No, no, it can't be. It's a bin bag with some tassels on it. Yep. <laughs> a bin bag. Thank you. Perfect. Can't describe it any better. <laughs> Most of all, I think he's like one of the guys that just like he felt like he stepped up. For the show like he he sees the moment I, I thought and that's what like a lot of the other guys like really didn't do yeah great great how about you fergus you, you've had to be in the trenches for this one so uh <laughs> what did you think of the show uh how the product is going at the moment and um what side are you on well there was panic on the streets of worcester i think because this is the first show that you can clearly sense they're worried they've lost their streak on nitros and things aren't going the way that they expected it to. I think like 97 was when they started to make money and they were cashing in on 96 and how well it was how well it was doing and they didn't lay the foundation correctly. And now this is the result of it where they've gotten kind of lazy and they just thought they could do whatever they wanted. There's no plan. There doesn't seem to be any continuity going forward. They don't really seem to know where they're going, where anybody is who's going to go forward, who's going to be promoted, anything like that. They're just kind of seat of the pants. All, what's the craziest thing we can do that will hopefully cliffhanger people into watching more? How many people can we turn next month? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I'll have to keep a tally of that, actually, because I know there's a good few people that are going to do movement. So, yeah, very disappointing show, to be honest. I wouldn't watch this show for anybody who listens to this. 
Go watch the Dean bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like five minutes, maybe 10 tops. I guess you could watch the Battle Royale to go with it, but it's not even necessary. Other than that, don't bother. This might be worse than like sold out or something like that. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, I don't think I don't think this would get better on rewatches, whereas I think I can I, sold out for some reason has this like thing stuck in my brain of going like, you know, they were trying. They were yeah, trying to do something. It's, it's ambitious. <laughs> yes, Eric was really skeezy, but they were trying. Like, I think the only real correct answer for who side you're on is Dean. But I knew you were both going to pick him or at least one of you anyway. So I'll give credit to Sting because he carried really the, the feeling in that main event and at least gave you like a good ending point of like, okay, what is he going to do? That's at least something tangentially you can hold on to going mm, forward. Impressive. I, nobody's been on Sting's side for a long time. Well, so No, no, I'm not picking him. Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just giving him a, an honorable mention, but I, the only person I can really be on the side other than Dean is Chris Jericho. He's the only one because it's quite clear he is put, he is doing everything for himself, like within the context of the show, but he's literally going, give me this time, I'll do whatever. And he's putting together something long-term. You've heard me rant enough on this show, dear listeners, so I won't go on too long about this. I, I think I would just echo Gus's sentiments there where don't watch this, and it's not because it's bad, because a bunch of WCW pay-per-views are bad. It's because of its lack of ambition is depressing. And it is a very, it staunchly tells the story of we just want people to tune, tune into Nitros. Even if you're paying $50, $60 for a pay-per-view, fuck you. Come watch our Nitros, because that's all that matters. Beating WB's ratings is all that matters to us. And it stinks of it. That's very unfortunate. It makes me a little sad. Even though I know what's going to happen in the future of this company, <laughs> it makes me sad to actively watch it. And yeah, I have to be on Dean's side. Like, I'd, I'd like to say poor poor Nash laying with the, the red and black at the end of that match. But yeah, Dean deserves this moment, one of the highlights of his career, and working really hard to get sh- uh, shit done and over. That's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW vs. NWO podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Patreon.com slash WCW vs. NWO podcast. We've been doing our Nitro flashback series where we look back at the beginning of Nitro. Those have been a lot of fun. One-hour wrestling shows are just, oh, they're so amazing. Um, also check out sportsobsessive.com we're posting our episodes on there there's also a lot of other wrestling articles that I've done there so if you want to check them out sportsobsessive.com from me Connor and Gus thanks for listening and join us next time when the tag team titles don't even get a tag team match <laughs> <laughs>